Tuesday, we continue to honor women through music. It is still Women's History Month. It's also the last Tuesday in the month of March. This one is the Avant remix. Pussycat Dolls. Stick with ya. When I hear your voice speak and I feel your body heat, love every minute of Coming up, we're going to have the headlines that we're going to be talking about today on Coffee and Talk. Breaking up and throwing their love away. 
Coming up, we have stories out of the Caribbean corner, Latin America, international news. Got stories out of North America yesterday. I said the U.S. is the ghetto. I ain't taking it back. Sticking to it. Business and tech news. We got some health and science news. Along with lifestyle, sports news, believe it or not, and the pro entertainment news. Stick around. Hope your week started off real good yesterday. Mondays are usually pretty rough days, huh? I don't think anybody likes Mondays. It is Turned Up Tuesday right here in Coffee Intel. Playing yesterday's favorites, today's hits. Strictly ladies. There's a little Janet Jackson featuring Q-Tip, one of my faves. One of my many faves. Jody Mitchell. Almost at the end of three months within the year. Sadly, in the US, there have been 129 mass shootings. I said 128, but it has been updated to 129 as of this morning. We haven't even completed 90 days. Have we done 90 days yet? Well, we're right there. But they say TikTok is the problem, not guns. And take that BS somewhere else, as far as I'm concerned. So sad. We are failing our children. We say we care about children, right? We were so busy repealing abortion rights because we say we love the children. Bring the children into the world for what? To kill them? Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Words are useless if there's no action to back it, Congress. What you gonna do about it? How many more? 
children have to die before you realize that lives are more important than money you gonna die anyway and leave it all behind you can't take it with you never seen money in an urn or in a grave greed has got the best of us sick and tired of hearing about thoughts and prayers don't know about you but i'm sick and tired of it you all can keep your thoughts and prayers and your fake tears because y'all really do not care and this happened in a private school ain't public this time so you know what not that i'm wishing bad for anybody but i guess it's gonna hit your doorsteps soon and real soon you ain't nothing but a player getting violated running that whole whip two fingers up one down with my toast in flewed out my boots i'll put a cork in it love it when you be crying out but we're gonna try to stay positive try to stay upbeat because no matter how angry we get, they still will not care. Ten minutes after the top of the hour. It is Turned Up Tuesday, we're playing yesterday's favorites, today's hits. Got a lot of stories coming up for you today. Gotta give a big good morning to everyone logged on and listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music while you work or play, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. What you got for me, Eve? Said it would be your blessing just to watch you undressing Calling you dead, late nights I'm laying on your chest and Stay reminiscing about the rest and how they lesson Trying to come between what we share, can't compare Could have been left, but when it's mine, I never share Fight to the d- if need be to prove that Wounds from your wall, other chicks couldn't soothe that Broke from a bad batch, I'm holding you down Throwing dirt with other pigeons, but them other fishes drown Locked in for however long, I'm playing it smart Good morning, John O'Radio Thank you for logging on to the non-stop party vibe station. Go ahead and download the John No Radio app. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. John No Radio, take us on the go. going to squeeze in one more after this and then we'll get into the headlines. Let you know what we're going to be talking about today. 
and I'm delirious. But the love I feel is serious. Couples of the world, no comparing us. Been through fist fights with cats. Good morning to everyone here with me on Clubhouse so far. And everyone checking in. Thank you, Marisha. Good morning. DJ Teflon. Good morning. Sin. Good morning. Rose Solo. Good morning. It's a beautiful 74 degrees where I am. I'm in sunny South Florida. Hope the weather is good wherever you are. And all fell, kitty cat, so whatever, baby, good enough to sell. Never leave his baby girl, mad cause he claimed he only thug. Got a little Alicia Keys for ya. Don't mind me croaking this morning. Trying to be positive with all that's going on, all that's going wrong. the top of the hour time for us to go ahead and get started thank you so much for joining me for coffee in tow world news on the go we do this every monday through friday 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern this is where i read the news and we share our views it is tuesday march 28 2023 turned up tuesday Here's what we got coming up for you today.
of the Caribbean Corner, CCJ and CARICOM Secretariat formalize MOU. Antigua CIU denies it has resumed processing Russian applications. Antigua government says developers cannot prevent public access to beaches. Jamaica, can you take a page out of their books, please? Barbadians warned to stay away from meth. Also out of Barbados, Barbados was highlighted on Wheel of Fortune in a big way. Dominica named on CNN's list of 25 most beautiful places. No, Rima. No, calm down. Calm down. Rima unavailable for St. Lucia Jazz. Other options are being looked at. Out of Jamaica, NCB to shut down several ABMs amid heightened security risk. And Colonel Charles Sr. backs his ex-colleague, saying the House Speaker did nothing wrong. Airbnb adds to local tourism offerings and um, national consultations underway for destination assurance framework. I must say, though, that um, Minister Edmund Barlett, who is the Minister of Tourism in Jamaica, he's been working real hard. Hotels are booked. In Latin America, at least 16 people were killed in a landslide in central Ecuador. 39 migrants dead, 29 injured after fire at an immigration facility in Mexico. I have my suspicions, but hey, what can I say? On the international scene, Vice President Harris pledges aid to Ghana amid security and economic concerns. Why does Russia want tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus? And Prince Harry is in court for phone hacking suits versus UK tabloid. In stories out of North America, family of a Tamarack couple kidnapped in Haiti plea for release. Nashville shooter who killed six people drew maps surveilled the schools so y'all better not come to me telling me about mental health concerns with this person jumbled wreckage complicates chocolate factory blast probe and winter storms set to cause more downed trees power outages and flooding for california a principal is fired hmm invited to italy after students are shown michelangelo's david but if i'm not mistaken when you walk around italy i, I remember you know seeing some pictures that my parents took when they went there are these naked statues all over the place but anyway you know let me mind my business uh, we do have an in my opinion piece we also have business and tech stories what is digital blackface and why is it wrong when white people use it mental health struggles are driving more college students to consider dropping out and that's in our health and science segment and tsa is giving you a warning about peanut butter for you travelers stick around for that one we also have sports news believe it or not and the brew entertainment news the details of those stories and always great conversation coming up after a little more music, here is Matume with Juicy Fruit. Who don't love some Juicy Fruit, huh? I've had a few, but not that 
oh, just in case y'all didn't know, this is my stage name, okay? So you know I gotta pull this one right back up from the top. Just call me Juicy. Don't be laughing at me, Rosolo. You know very well what you want. Teflon. <laughs> my chocolate star. That's in my other life. <laughs> but not that in my mind. But you're the only love that gives me good and plenty. have fun this morning folks so much craziness going on around the world up Tuesday playing yesterday's favorites today's hits we continue to honor women through music as we come to the end of women's history month men you'll get your shine again next month James, good morning, Jilly. Thank you for coming to the party. <laughs> Here's another oldie but goodie for you. Tana Gardner. I hope I said her first name right. The song is Heartbeat. Heartbeat, 
Think we got time for one more? We're gonna bring it back to 2022. Girls are players too, don't get it twisted. Thank you once again to everyone logged on and listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone right here with me on Clubhouse. Coming up at the bottom of the hour in two minutes, we're going to get into the details.
Time to wake up, people! If you're still sleeping, get the hell up! This is a good workout song. Jump on a stationary bike. Or hit that treadmill. If you're an outdoor person, start running. Get that blood pumping. This is the voice of Christine Munoz and the title track is Applause. And it is the bottom of the hour. Time for us to go ahead and get started. And we are kicking it off in the Caribbean corner. Here we go. And for our first story, CCJ and CARICOM Secretariat formalize MOU. Story courtesy of Caribbean.LoopNews.com. The Trinidad-based Caribbean Court of Justice, CCJ, has signed a Memorandum of Understanding, MOU, with the Guyana-based Caribbean Community CARICOM Secretariat, aimed at improving access and delivery of justice in the Caribbean region. The agreement formalizes the partnership between the two regional institutions to execute several justice and legal sector projects, which are being funded by the European Union's 11th European Development Fund, EDF. The Secretariat will provide procurement support to the CCJ in the execution of several projects. These projects form part of a larger project, which also comprises work to benefit the Caribbean Community Administrative Tribunal and the Council of Legal Education. The implementation of these projects is expected to have a transformative effect on justice delivery in the region. Next up, Antigua CIU denies it has resumed processing Russian applications. This story also courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. The Citizenship by Investment Unit, CIU, has described as malicious and fanciful a media report that it had been instructed by Prime Minister Gaston Brown to proceed with haste. Regardless of the state of the due diligence process, applications by Russians, Russian nationals for citizenship in Antigua and Barbuda. Antigua and Barbuda is among several Caribbean community CARICOM countries that provides citizenship to foreign nationals in return for making a significant contribution to this island's socio-economic development through the Citizenship by Investment Program, CBI. Europe and the United States have imposed sanctions on Russia and Belarus following Russia's decision to invade Ukraine last year. Caribbean countries have already announced that they are restricting the access of any Russian 
or Belarusian national to use the CBI to avoid sanctions and mask their affiliation with the Russian regime. In its statement, the CIU said it wanted to reject completely the untruthful report in the online portal Real News Antigua, which claims that the unit has been instructed by Prime Minister Gaston Brown to proceed with haste, regardless of the state of the due diligence process, to approve Russian applications for citizenship. It said that the online publication had attributed its malicious story to sources in Washington and in the diaspora and that no name or agency is identified or quoted because in reality, they do not exist. CIU said it maintains strict and unwavering procedures by its in-house team of compliance specialists in conjunction with international due diligence providers and global law enforcement agencies, adding these procedures are mandatory and no exceptions are made. The Citizenship by Investment Unit is unwavering in its protection of the jurisdictional reputation of Antigua and Barbuda, as well as the integrity of the nation's passport. The statement went on to add that it deplores this deliberate attempt to sully the good name of the CIU and its staff. I have a question, though. What if you are a Russian national and you do not agree with what is happening with regard to Russia and Ukraine, and you want to escape that. You have money, but you're not affiliated in any way with the support of the invasion. Are you also going to be denied, or are they doing this as a case-by-case situation? Or is it just a blanket? Good morning, Afo. Hold on, yeah, Afo. I I was... think... Okay, but go ahead. Go ahead. After you, Afo, it's Teflon. Go right ahead. Oh, all right, thank you. Um, yeah, we don't want to see a thing, but I said to my wife, say, you know, it's when you don't have your own, when, when you don't have your own, if you, if you depend on other countries, if the country just say, leap your ass, oh, hi, because I say, and every Russian citizen agree with what take place, um, with Russia and Ukraine, as you can see, a lot of them that try to flee the country for them safety and to avoid getting dropped in the military for a fight against um um the next co- the next country so i'm like all right then so d- those people have to suffer as well just because they are russians and a freedom country and president and some other country you know um ukraine you know you know them them, them war thing that no fear you get what i'm saying right. but when you don't have your when you not own nothing i i have to depend you have to just listen to what master say <laughs> or else you're going to have a problem <laughs> boy i'm telling you you know i just wanted about it after I, I think it's grossly unfair because everyone is trying it's for example with jamaicans let's look at ourselves for example right Afro. um we understand the, the dancehall culture and homophobia and i'm not sure what the landscape is like no but there was a time if you would tell someone that you're jamaican well our experience here you can see them pull back especially if the person is a, a member of the lgbtq community they pull back like oh my gosh and we tell them listen you choose to do what you do with your life not my business i don't care i'm not like that 
they question so why they start asking questions so too they feel that if you're from jamaica you must smoke weed you know what i mean so we tend to put blankets on people and it's not fair i would hope that they will use a case by case um system and do a thorough investigation because i understand you don't want to know that you're providing shelter for someone who supports the invasion but 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 is trying to um protect their assets let me put it that way so i i get it i get it so uh let's see let's see what happens over there we, we're going to remain in antigua for our next story also courtesy of caribbean.loopnews.com the antigua government says developers cannot prevent public access to beaches minister for housing land works and urban Re- renewal maria brown said private property owners are breaking the law when they prevent members of the public from having access to beaches near their land Brown made the comment as she responded to reports that developers at the Perns Estate Luxury Housing site are placing restrictions on how and when members of the public can access nearby beaches. Brown said Section 50 of the Physical Planning Act 2003 states that no owner, developer, or occupier of land leading to a beach has the authority to prevent persons from accessing and using the beaches on Antigua and Barbuda. I support that. I support it. Brown said the survey and mapping department is establishing access boundaries for all seven beaches located near Parents Point with official boundary marks and signage. During this period, Brown asks that users of the beaches at Parents Point exercise patience and collaborate with the property owners while accessing the beaches. The minister added that the Development Control Authority and the Survey and Mapping Department have prepared a preliminary beach access report which governs access and use of all beaches in Antigua and Barbuda. The full section on public access and right-of-way to beaches states, 1. There shall be at least one public landward access to and right-of-way to every beach in Antigua and Barbuda. 2. Where there is no alternative public access, traditional public use of private landward access through an existing private development shall be sufficient grounds for establishing a public right-of-way over that access for the purpose of access to the beach by public. Three, where the only landward access to a beach is through an existing private development where traditional public use pursuant to subsection two of this section has not been established, the Crown may acquire the right to public use of that beach access by gift negotiation, contract, purchase or lease, compulsory acquisition in exchange for other property interest or financial exemption, or by such means as the minister may recommend as a condition of issuance of any permit or license required under the provisions of any act. Number four, where land is acquired by way of compulsory acquisition for a beach access, The provisions of the Land Acquisition Act shall apply 
in respect of such acquisition. And number five, where a proposed development is likely to adversely affect the public's ability to access a beach from the landward side, any development permit shall require as a condition a landward public access through the development at all times free of charge. I can't knock them. I cannot knock them for this. You cannot lock off beaches. Every single beach. So here is what I would do if I were a developer in um, Antigua and Barbuda. Um, I would see to it that I have a pathway. If I don't want them walking through the property where I'm going to be um, hosting guests, right? Because I understand security and safety concerns. I get it. What I'm going to do is see to it that there is a separate pathway so that locals can still access the beaches. It's only fair. And I think that's reasonable. Not too much to ask. All right? Yeah, I'm, really, I'm really glad it is because um, where, where my family lives in Antigua, they've got the same problem. Mm-hmm. And um, they had um, they had signs. The the landowners they've got signs um, put up, and they've got restrictions. You can't go through. But the beaches are like it's snow for everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm really glad. Really glad they're doing this. Yes, Teflon, yeah. and I hope other Caribbean islands take a page out of their book. Right? Gotta look out for your citizens. Go ahead, James. Good morning. Yeah, morning, morning, everyone. Yeah. Yeah, so like um what they're what they're attempting to do, that's that's what they do. Um they do it in Cuba and they do it in Bermuda. Like if, if you're a hotel, like you have to have like a, a little pathway mm-hmm. that um um the locals can access the beach. You can't have any beach without the locals um able to access it. So yeah, that's a good thing. And and I know Jamaica, even with I heard the news this morning about the Bob Marley Beach where mm-hmm. they're trying to like Rita, Rita Marley and, and her sons are, are doing some petition for them to keep the beach open too. Because, yeah, like, in the Caribbean, you know, like, people come from Europe, from North America, from all over and enjoy the beauty of the Caribbean and and then to deny locals of, you know, doing something that, that's supposed to be, like, for everybody. Like, if you're poor, you just make some sandwich and you go down to the beach and you swim and you eat. You know, they're... Some people don't have an option to, to do other stuff. So, yeah, it, it's it's a good thing. And, I, you know, that should be, like, mandatory, like, right across the Caribbean. Yes. You can't live in paradise and can't access it. Facts, James. Facts. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that story up because it jogged my memory because I wanted to mention this yesterday. Um, Rita Marley, I don't think she's given due um, respect. I don't think she's honored enough. And the reason I'm saying this, I mentioned yesterday that I had the opportunity to go to the Bob Marley Museum while I was on vacation. And she was instrumental. If you ask me, she is the reason there is a Bob Marley Foundation. She is the reason there is a Bob Marley Museum. She is the reason there is the Bob Marley Mausoleum, which is up in Nine Miles, St. Anne. Imagine it's just nine miles from where I live and I haven't been. But um she is the reason why his name is still 
a constant around the world. And, you know, I thought back to a couple months ago when her grandson died, Stephen's son died in the vehicle. And what was put in the news? The grandson of Robert Nesta Marley, Bob Marley. Uh, hello, what happened to Rito? When Bob died, she it, it took her five years to set up the um, museum. But she had a family to feed, right? She had to see to it that her and her children were okay. But we don't give her the credit, I believe. We, we don't give her that credit. Yes, she has the national recognition. I think she's Order of Distinction or Order of Jamaica. I'm not quite sure. But we don't hear her name enough. Anything that has to do with any of the children that she had with Bob, it's always him being mentioned never her i also think she should be recognized for the fact that um yes he had these children other children with other women and she still embraced those children they are a part of it all and i really believe they need to do more to recognize her Say her name more because she is responsible for the indelible mark that has been made for generations to come. When we were at the, um, the museum on the grounds, you, yes, Bob's children are stamped and grandchildren are stamped. Ziggy was, he pulled up. Um, and then there were some smaller grandchildren walking around. And you couldn't miss it. You couldn't miss that there are Marley. But can we please give Rita her due and say her name more? All right? Go yeah, ahead, James. Well, and, and to add to that, like, a lot of people don't realize, like, Rita Marley is, like, a business mogul before, like, you know, a lot of these, a lot of, you know, people that we recognize now, like Oprah and like a lot of, you know, women that are doing great things across the world. Rita has been doing stuff like that for since the death of Bob Marley because people don't know, a lot of people don't know that Rita, like to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Chris Blackwell is not an easy thing. To be able to, so Rita Marley, she, she, she was able to get like the network with, with everybody under one umbrella and there's, I don't remember how many shows they said I celebrate Bob Marley every year and Rita Marley have access to all of them. Like nothing goes unless she say go. And to do that, to control, some people can't even control Jamaica alone. <laughs> and for her to control England, um, Germany, like France, like different countries in Africa, like all of the Bob Marley shows that are um, taking place, and the merchandising, it's not an easy thing because we, we talk about how brand Jamaica in terms of like ackee and sawfish planting, like a lot of those stuff that are branded and sold across the world without Jamaica getting a dime. Not with Rita Marley. Rita Marley <laughs> makes sure she put her thing together where everything Bob Marley, um, they're going to get money for it. You know, I remember about 25 years ago, I went to the museum. Um to collect an award on behalf of um, one of the hotels that I was working with. 
So I went with the manager and we went there. We collect the award, went on stage. I don't remember what the award was for, but um, from, from the Bob Marley Museum to the hotel, something to do with culture. Mm -hmm. And it was like this big sign, big Bob Marley um, picture that was signed and um, framed nicely and everything. But at the time, the hotel wanted to open like a Bob Marley lounge. So they opened the lounge and they put the big picture there signed by Rita and the, the Marley family. And they didn't get any consent from her to use the name to open. And she shut them down wow. like, faster than, yeah? Like, t the sign went up today, like, you know, Bob Marley, so-and-so lounge. And by a week, they had to take it down. So, yeah, she, she, needs, she needs credit, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. We, we need to push for that. We need to, you know, push for more. So... Um, not to stay too long on the topic because we do have quite a bit of stories, but having a conversation with someone recently um, regarding why Bob Marley is not made a national hero. So word is that it's because of his lifestyle. So my question is lifestyle? Lifestyle. What? Because he is a Rasta? Because um, that's the religion that he... Um, practiced is it because he smoked weed and promoted smoking weed is it because he had children with several women i don't think those are valid reasons to withhold a title from him i don't think so other countries around the world honor this man and the impact and we for example zimbabwe He was able to sell out a stadium. I think it was in Italy. Over 200,000 people. Simple man. Simple man. He preached, if you want to use a different word, but he did preach love and peace and equality human rights and justice and you know that was my argument and the the debate you know was there and the the pushback was um but his lifestyle is not exemplary uh, okay and you're telling me that the lifestyle of all the national heroes were perfect pristine is that what we're going to say? He without sin cast the first stone. And then, of course, I pushed to the Bible. Ah, let us look at many who were used, all flawed. All flawed. A drunkard was used. A murderer was used. A thief was used. A tax collector was used. A prostitute was used. And what is that supposed to teach us? That we all have a purpose. And we do not let our past dictate our future. Many times we get hung up on the messenger, not the message. Not realizing that anyone at any time can be used for anything. So we have to be careful when we're casting judgment. And I say, if that is the reason, or if those are the reasons under the umbrella of lifestyle, 
for him not being bestowed national hero, well, shame on you, Jamaica. That's my stance. That is my stance. And if we're going to talk about lifestyle, that may be a reason, you know, I know we've had conversations about um, Usain Bolt not being bestowed um, national hero. Early days for him, yes, but he's unmarried, three children, so he may, he's not a good representation <laughs> of what lifestyle should look like. So it may not happen for him either. If, if we're going to use lifestyle as an argument, which I think holds no validity. And yes, what was said to me was we need to stop using the excuse of what our grandfathers and fathers did because at the end of the day, it was wrong. Huh. Was it? Wrong by whose standards? And this is where we recognize, it's when we have conversations like this, that we recognize how impactful colonization is. And yes, is. Because we're still living under the remnants of it. We are still making decisions under the remnants of colonization. You know, I saw a video, and I'm going to wrap up after this. <laughs> I saw a video um, on, a, was it Instagram or TikTok yesterday? I think it was TikTok yesterday. Um, Raul Blaze. And he was responding to someone who was referring to the gyration. You know, when we dance, we move our waist or wind up our waistline. It's a Caribbean thing. It's an African thing. It's a black thing. Um, a black person, a Caribbean national, talking about how vulgar. And why, does, why do we have to sexualize everything? Right? So, of course, you know, he gave his rebuttal. It's that mindset, that colonization mindset that makes us look at everything we do as being bad because they called us vulgar and savage for dancing the way we do when it is in our DNA. Domet goes folio. Once that music drops and that drum plays, your hips start to move. Whether you can dance or not. It's in our DNA. But it's time we stop shunning our culture. Shunning who we are. Being embarrassed about who we are as a people. Because colonizers wanted us to feel that way. It's time we put that aside, folks. Embrace you, please. I think I've uttered enough. Thank you for taking me down that road, James, just by mentioning Rita Marley's name. <laughs> but yes, um, I definitely have to applaud Antigua and Barbuda for standing up for what is right for the people. 365 beaches, right? They should be able to have access. Provision can be made. The only thing I will say to the people of Antigua and Barbuda is see to it that you help to maintain these beaches dispose of the garbage in its rightful place clean up respect nature 
All right. Okay. Moving on, Barbados highlighted on Wheel of Fortune in big way. I do have a soundbite for this one. Story courtesy of Barbados.loopnews.com. 500. S. Yes, there are two S's. Story of $10,100. I would like to solve the puzzle. Go ahead. The National Dish of Barbados. Yeah. Woo! And you can find out what it is firsthand. That's where you're going. Yes. We had the national dish of uh, Barbados puzzle. Yes, we did. National dish of Barbados is fried flying fish with Creole sauce and cuckoo, not couscous, cuckoo, which is uh, uh, cornmeal, okras, water, olive oil, and salt. Kind of like there. polenta. There you go. Yeah. And there you go. So when you're in Barbados, yeah. order the flying fish with the Creole sauce and cuckoo. So, of course, Barbados was highlighted on Wheel of Fortune in one of the biggest ways it's ever been featured on the show. In the past, one contestant or the other has been fortunate enough to win a trip to Barbados. In fact, in 2022, at least two trips to Barbados were given away as prizes. The most recent winner prior to this month's winner, Sarah Spakes, was in an in an episode which aired in November of last year. All right. Good for you. Good for you. Barbados, keep shining. All right. Next up, Dominica. Um, yeah. In, well, yeah. Dominica named on CNN's list of 25 most beautiful places. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. Dominica as a destination in the Caribbean has done it again and was given a spotlight as being among the best of the best when it comes to beauty when considering outdoor travel cnn travel in its monthly ticket travel series listed dominica amongst the 25 most beautiful places in the world when thinking about making those travel plans cnn in its report noted that dominica is known as the nature island for a reason and went on to describe its rainforests hot springs and beaches so folks we need to go ahead and put dominica on our to-go list all right places to go let me say it right all right up next rima unavailable for the saint lucia jazz festival and that is so unfortunate and for those of you who don't know who rima is let me give you a little taste or a little reminder And of course, you can't help but go on TikTok and hear this song and see the dances. Love the dance. Uh, but not to worry, uh, my St. Lucia jazz supporters, other options are being looked at. Nigerian singer and Afrobeat star Rima will not be performing at the St. Lucia Jazz 2023. St. Lucia's Tourism, Culture and Creative Industries Minister, Honorable Dr. Ernest Hilaire, told reporters the artist's unavailability directly results from a 
double booking. And of course, it is not unusual for artists who have confirmed to no longer be available. It happens. According to him, St. Lucian authorities could buy out the other commitment. However, such a move would not benefit the country because of what was involved. Rima was named the headliner for the World Beats Night edition of the St. Lucia Jazz and Arts Festival, which is scheduled to happen on Saturday, May 13. Despite Rima being unable rather, to perform in St. Lucia this year, Dr. Hilaire says there are opportunities for more artists to be added to the jazz lineup. So sorry you're not going to be able to do that, Rima. So that's the remix version with him and Selena Gomez. All right, next up, we head to Jamaica for our next set of stories. And we do have some sound bites here as well. Uh, first up, Jamaican Abdullah El Faisal, and I hope I said it right, has been sentenced to 18 years in terrorism case. Story courtesy of Jamaica.loopnews.com. If you're listening to this ad, this spot could be yours. Reach your target audience through engaging audio ads on Loop Listen, the innovative audio news platform from Loop News. Click the link below to place your own Loop Listen ad. Jamaican Abdullah El Faisal sentenced to 18 years in U.S. terrorism case. A cleric arrested in his native Jamaica and extradited to New York to face state terrorism charges on accusations of recruiting support for the Islamic State group was sentenced last Thursday to 18 years in prison. Abdullah Al-Faisal was convicted in January in state Supreme Court in Manhattan on counts including soliciting or providing support for an act of terrorism. The state law he was prosecuted under was put in place after the September 11, 2001, attacks, and prosecutors said his case was the first state-level trial on terrorism charges. Al Faisal was extradited to New York City in 2020 after being arrested in Jamaica in 2017. Beginning in 2016, authorities said an undercover officer in New York City posed as a would-be jihadist and started communicating with the cleric. The cleric was accused of giving out information to help the officer ultimately connect with the Islamic State group, as well as trying to do things like act as a conduit for a marriage between the officer and a member of the militant group. Prosecutors said El Faisal had supported the Islamic State organization for several years. They said he was very influential, using online lectures to encourage violent acts and advocating for an Islamic caliphate. He had previously served prison time in Britain after being convicted of incitement and stirring racial hatred and had also been deported from Kenya. Sheikh Faisal's advocacy, recruitment and provision of material support to ISIS helped the terrorist organization perform horrific acts, including the murder and kidnapping of innocent people, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin L. Bragg, Jr. said in a statement announcing the sentence. An attempt to leave a message for Michael Feynman, the cleric's attorney, was unsuccessful. Federal officials have said El Faisal's sermons influenced people such as Faisal Shahzad, who tried to set off a bomb in Times Square in 2010, and Omar Farouk Abdelmutalab, the so-called underwear bomber who attempted to blow up a transatlantic flight on Christmas Day 2009. So let me ask a question. 18 years. 
So clearly, this is his life. This is the path he has chosen. After 18 years, do they think he's going to change? Should he have got life instead? Or is 18 years reasonable? He's been deported from Kenya. He served prison time in Britain, but he stays true to his beliefs. 18 years or life. You know, I don't know. Next up, NCB to shut down several ABMs amid heightened security risk. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio, JM.com. The country's largest financial group, National Commercial Bank, NCB, says it may permanently close certain automated banking machines or ABMs in its network. In a statement, NCB says the move may become necessary following an ongoing risk or a review of the risk profile at each location. NCB says it may block access at night to some of those ABMs which previously operated on a 24-hour basis. It says some of those 24-hour locations may also be closed permanently. It says ABMs that were previously vandalized and those which were stolen have not been replaced. NCB also says it has reached this position following discussions with service providers as well as law enforcement personnel. Um, has um, Beryllium decided that they're going to change out the vehicles and change the way they do the servicing of ATM machines? Um, is shutting down locations, access to ABMs, um, really the best option? I get it. In some areas, that may be the only option. But is it that they can't get personnel to man these facilities? Nobody wants to run the risk. I get it, too. How about, are these ABM um, facilities, are they bulletproof? Once you, I'm not sure how you get access. Do you just pull the door, go in, and anybody can pull the door and come in while you're in there? Um, just a few recommendations. I don't know if this is in place, so forgive me. But I would say make the containments bulletproof because, of course, you know, for the ABMs, you, it may be on the outside of the bank or it's on the inside, but you don't have access to the, the main banking hall. I would say um, bulletproof the area, put in added security features. So if I'm going in once in and I lock it, no one can act, get, gain access to come inside, right? And of course, security cameras. Security cameras, I feel, should have live feed to police stations because banks, when you do press that um, alarm, the silent alarm, it, they're connected to police stations, okay? So I think the same strategy could be implemented because uh, I don't think people having cash at their house all the time is a good idea. And what if there's an emergency and you need to get your hand on some cash? No, you can't. So I think instead, again, instead of just doing a complete shutdown, of certain ABMs, let us explore 
all the possibilities and safety measures that could be implemented. Just my thoughts. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. You know, I don't know. But that's, I'm sure that is going to be a gross inconvenience for many people. All right, next up. Uh, House Speaker did nothing wrong. Pernell Charles Sr. backs ex-colleagues. Story courtesy of Nationwide Radio, JM.com. And we do have a soundbite for that as well. Former Speaker of the House of Representatives, uh, Pernell Charles Sr. is defending his successor, Marissa Dalrymple Philibert, saying she showed no bias in her handling of last week's dispute, which caused the opposition to walk out of the chamber during the closing budget presentation by the finance minister. In this matter last week, I think that when the person got up to address the speaker on a matter, the person was out of order and not accepting the speaker's position when the speaker said, I want you to withdraw what you have said and then address me. So it's a matter of the speaker following the standing order and the member following the standing order. And you won't go wrong if you follow the standing order. When you get up to speak, you have to address the speaker and wait to be acknowledged by the speaker as to whether you are permitted under the standing order to proceed or not to. And the speaker, guided by the standing order, will determine whether or not you should do so. The PNP patriots have accused Mrs. Dalrymple Philibert of showing favoritism to the governing JLP. In a statement last week, the Patriots recommended that she take a leave of absence, during which time she should undergo a course in management training. Mr. Charles says the recommendation is unnecessary. Being Speaker of the House is one of the easier jobs because you have before you a document that covers everything that will happen in Parliament. So you don't have to go outside or overseas to be trained. The standing order guides you as to what happened in Parliament and how you are to handle it. And so the Speaker has that right under the standing order to prevent or to permit you to proceed. Parnell Charles Sr., former Speaker of the House of Representatives. A row over a point of order raised by opposition MP Dr. Angela Brown-Burke and her refusal to apologize for a comment aimed at the government benches caused the opposition members to leave the chamber last Tuesday. The opposition members were also incensed by the failure of the Speaker to act against the Finance Minister for his reference to the opposition leader as Massa Mark. And um, Mr. Charles, unfortunately, I have to agree that um, there was some bias displaced, displayed. Of course, we know that the, the Speaker of the House is always going to be the uh, representative of the ruling party. In this case, um, Mrs. Dalrymple Philibert is or was an MP, but or is an MP. Let me say that right. She is an MP, and she's also the House Speaker, and her affiliation is with the ruling party, the Jamaica Labour Party. Now, in essence, she should have chastised Mr. Clark. I'm not sure if she did so privately after they um, cleared the House. Not sure if that happened. If that's the case, that needs to be made public. 
as that being the reason why she would ask um audrey clark um angela brownberg sorry to retract her comment i don't think i'm being unreasonable fair is fair fair is fair if you're wrong you're wrong and i'm gonna call it out but i remember seeing the clip over and over again we have to be fair when we're um meeting out judgment so to speak for the want of a better term right or have a conversation with dr angela brownberg afterwards let her express her frustration then because parliament is one little um, tenement yard if you ask me because them gone and i think it must be a caribbean thing i don't know they really gone bad in a parliament right threats to fight and all these things everybody are bad man and bad woman in parliament but i think it could have been handled differently because by telling her to retract her statement and apologize for what she said and then address her is showing favoritism impartiality or partiality i should say um for your party you're going to allow your party members to do as they please and get away with it and not reprimand them for their bad behavior their poor choice of words Let, let's be fair i'm gonna leave it right there <laughs> airbnb adds to local tourism offerings well i must say mr um what's his name Edmund Bartlett, he's working and working really hard. Story courtesy of jamaica.loopnews.com. Uh, here we go. With tourism in full recovery mode, online home rental platform Airbnb has been giving more Jamaicans a chance to earn a living from the lucrative hospitality sector. In fact, Portfolio Minister Edmund Bartlett said that 29% of the 2.6 million stopover visitors who came to Jamaica last year did so through Airbnb, which he notes was partially due to COVID-19. He said that during the pandemic, when many persons lost their jobs, Airbnb provided a lucrative income earning opportunity. What it tells us is that ordinary Jamaicans are opening their homes as accommodations and have been doing very well. This is what we mean when we say tourism is inclusive. This is why we have all the training and outreach programs, such as speed networking, to get all our people involved. It must also be noted that Airbnb, as a company, donated $250,000 to our Global Tourism Resilience and Crisis Management Center located at the University of the West Indies. The GTRMC is designed to help vulnerable states around the world recover quickly from natural disasters. It specifically targets destination preparedness, management and recovery from disruptions and or crises that threaten economies and livelihoods with real-time data and effective communication. It is also a transformative tool which seeks to safeguard and protect the tourism product of countries as well as ensure the sustainability of tourism globally. Bartlett said that a recent investor report showing Airbnb reporting a profit of U.S. $319 million in the final quarter of last year on revenue 
of nearly $2 billion is an indication of how the homestay concept has exploded around the world, with Caribbean countries like Jamaica benefiting. And also, to keep him at the forefront, here he is again in another story, National Consultations Underway for Destination Assurance, Framework. The Ministry of Tourism has begun public consultations ahead of um, presenting its destination assurance framework and strategy to Parliament for approval as a white paper. The first set of consultations happened in Negril last Thursday. Here is Zasha K. Dennis reporting. Tourism Minister Edmund Bartlett says the approval of the white paper will make Jamaica the first country in the world to have a destination assurance policy. He says he sees destination assurance as a promise to visitors that assures an authentic, safe and seamless vacation experience, which is respectful to the community and the environment. He says a key pillar of that policy is public order. He says public order is critical because tourism cannot function in chaos and disorder and everyone has a role to play. The tourism minister says the country has to get to the point where it recognizes the importance of public order, not just as a security requirement, but as a means of enabling a stable and cohesive society. The tourism minister says the destination assurance policy will be placing special focus on reducing instances of visitor harassment and poor solid waste management practices. The ministry will launch a program in each resort area aimed at the re-socialization and upskilling of informal operators in the tourism sector. The ministry says the strategic push will be supported by a strong legislative agenda, including amending the Tourist Board Act, the Travel Agency Act, and their accompanying regulations. Zeshike Dennis for Nationwide News. What can I say? He is busy about the place. Um, Hotels are booked, folks. Let me just say that. Um, Flights are full going into Jamaica, no matter what you want to say. And I think it's a good look for the island. And the Caribbean as a whole, if you ask me, um, many people are wanting to move to the Caribbean islands as well. So keep up the good work, Minister of Tourism, Edmund. Bartlett. And that story wraps up our Caribbean Corner segment. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we have stories out of Latin America and news from the international scene. Here's a little more music for us as we continue to celebrate Women's History Month, honoring women through music. Wanna party, wanna dance, wanna be myself tonight, everybody Miss you want, I'ma put this on When you see me in a dress, I'ma get me some 
to everyone logged on and listening on the quality music zone qmzradio.com for quality music while you work or play keep it logged on to www.qmzradio.com for that good music to get you through your day Thank you to everyone listening on JohnnoRadio.com. Download that JohnnoRadio app. It's a non-stop party vibe. Vibe. 
<laughs> J-A-H-K-N-O, Jano Radio. Take us on the go. The app is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us on Clubhouse Coffee in Tow. This is where the conversation happens. Thank you to my Clubhouse crew. Couldn't do it without you. Twenty-five after the top of the hour. I'm gonna go ahead and get back to business, but I'm looking at the comments here on Clubhouse. DJ Teflon says Ghana needs to take a leaf out of Jamaica's book. Their tourism is not doing well. For one, they need to drop COVID restrictions at the airport. I know a lot of people that want to go but cannot. And as a result, they are losing out in tourism revenue. I want to talk about that for a little bit. I think I have four minutes to spare there. I did not know that they still had COVID restrictions in place, DJ Teflon. I think everywhere has lifted. Yeah, so um, you can go, but I think you still have to do the PCR testing. Um, And yeah, a lot of people are... A lot of people are refusing to go. Um, not everyone wants to get tested. Um, oh. Yeah, it's true. A lot, a lot of countries have lifted, but I don't know for some strange reason they're still um, clinging on to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. How did they fare during COVID? Meaning, were they gravely impacted by? With did they have a lot of COVID deaths? It wasn't like the, the, the cases were so low and. It's just like they're just so extra. Like when when something happens, it's like they get they get the, the excitement and it is so extra. I think Jamaica started doing that at the beginning. Like they they, they it was taking it really, they was just doing too much, and then they they finally eased off a bit. Um, but Ghana, I just don't understand why all the all the bigger countries like Australia, Canada, like all these countries were like the most strictest like during during covid they've all lifted like canada they've lifted all restrictions no testing but for some reason you can't go to ghana without um, pcr testing so um yeah my friend my friend works out there and said that they're losing out a lot in um the tourism so yeah i think they need they need to um they need to follow um jamaica and just just free up just free up the borders let people come in and spend money let me ask you a question, Teflon. Do you think that their decision not to lift the PCR testing protocol could be because their healthcare infrastructure um, is not what it ought to be? Should there be an outbreak? Should there, you know, be some impact on the industry? What do you think? So that's why they're trying to mitigate as much as they can. Yeah, you probably you probably got a point there, but so so so, so is um, all these other countries. I'm sure there's a lot of countries that have the same scale of um, healthcare, even worse, mm-hmm. and they've 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 all scrapped it. So, mm-hmm. and then they do have they do have support from other countries as well, like neighboring countries. Yeah, um, you know they're part of the uh, echo. They're part of the echoes. 
they all um, like all the um, the West African countries all kind of support each other, and they've got the free the free um, what do you call it? Like you can travel, you can cross borders free, and yeah, they've got their support. And yeah, I just I just I just think that it just been extra extra right um, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, um, a lot of people want to go to Ghana. Um, right now, Africa, the continent itself, is the quote-unquote next big thing in terms of tourism. Um, ecotourism. Okay, so Geely says they were not affected badly by COVID. Not sure why they still have these restrictions. They still had a lot of tourists for December. What is Deadly December? What is that? Interesting. Never heard of that one. What is that? Yeah, I've never heard of that. What's that? School me, Geely. School me. School me. <laughs> okay, let me type it in while I'm sure Geely's probably... Okay, Detty December. Let's see. Detty... What is Detty December in Ghana? Okay, let me see. It is that time of year again when all roads lead to Africa for what is fondly termed Dirty December, a festive period where African city hotspots like Lagos and Accra come alive with music, arts, culture, and entertainment. Thousands of people from across the diaspora flock back to their ancestral homes. Okay. All right. Sounds like something we could get in on. What is the weather like there during, is it, is it summertime weather in Ghana? You know, for example, in Australia, when it's our winter, it's their summer, and then vice versa. What is the weather like? We need to check that out, because that sounds like something worth um, taking on. Hmm. Festive period, music, arts, culture, and entertainment. It's the place to be, but you get your tickets now. The, oh, so I can't do it this year. I'll, 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 I'll budget for next year. <laughs> <laughs> wow yeah yeah, yeah the, the ticket prices for um december is crazy it's crazy because a lot of people go back around in times wow yeah so i, I guess in, independence day as well wow march, six months so yeah, so crazy so teflon what we need to do now it's march now so april we start putting aside a little bit every week um and then get a travel agent or someone a reputable travel agency to book for us and you know some of these travel agencies allow you to do installments probably that's how we may have to do it if it's going to be crazy yeah yeah i mean if if you guys planned it like i would literally book it right now <laughs> yeah. yeah but then i'm just thinking like these covid yeah because i'll I'm, I'm against the testing. I don't, don't, I'm not, not getting there and getting people putting things in my nose and all of that. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, but it's just, it's just like, it's just going on too long. It's yeah. Going on so long. I'm, I know so many people that want to go on holiday because it, it's now, it's now a holiday destination. And I know so many people um, in London that want to go, but they just don't want to be doing the, the, the COVID testing. And it's money as well. You have to pay. You have to pay to get tested. It's just, it's all nonsense. Yeah, it's all nonsense right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully by next year. Okay, so if we decide, all right, yeah, we want to go to Ni um either Nigeria or Ghana for Detti December. Um, I'm hoping that by next year they would have done away with um 
the COVID testing protocols. Let, let's keep our fingers crossed. Doesn't sound bad though. So for those who are wondering, like myself, what does DETTY, D-E-T-T-Y mean? Required, needful, necessary, not optional. I like that. Required, yes. <laughs> we need music, arts, culture, and entertainment. We definitely need it. It is necessary to our survival, our mental health, right? We need as much as we can get. All right. Um, right now, the hot spots on the continent, we have um, Nigeria, uh, Ghana. Uh, there's another one. What's the other one? There's another hot spot. Mm. Well, um, South Africa. South Africa, yes. Yeah, you, um, can't, you, can't leave out, you can't leave out South Africa. No, you cannot. <laughs> They're killing it. <laughs> Zulu Nation, right? What is the what other tribes do they have in um which one is the safest? Um Ghana, Chile? Ghana uh, Yeah, yeah, okay. Ghana is definitely the safest place to go. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's like the um you know when we talk about paradise, Caribbean paradise yes. holidays. Yeah, so so West Africa that's like the equivalent. I mean, going, going going to Nigeria is not really, in, in my humble opinion, it's not no, really appealing. No. It's not it's not like a holiday destination, if you ask okay. me. But uh, when you go to Ghana, the people are very. Fr- I've been once, and yeah, it's just like it just it just gives you that holiday vibe. Holiday yeah, vibe. Yeah. That's why. That's why. I'm, that's why I'm a bit upset why they're still like restricting people from coming because it's such a nice country. Yeah. yeah, but let me ask a question. What would be good to do if if you're going to be on the continent? You might as well knock out a couple countries, right? So Ghana, Kenya. How we feel about Kenya? Yeah, definitely Kenya or or Tan. Is it Tanzania? Tanzania. Do, yeah, they got the um, what do you call it? The safari, the safari. But that that'll be like a really good thing to do out there. Oh, but Jilly, don't burst our bubble. Jilly says it's not that easy to travel between the countries, even for foreigners. We're foreigners. Yeah, okay. yeah, a, yeah. A lot of the countries you see, you need visas to go there. Like even to go to Ghana, you need a visa. Um, but if if you're if you're national, if you're from there, um, they do have that pass. It's like an Echo Echoas pass. Okay. And it allows, allows you to travel freely um, between those countries. But there is a lot of corruption, so they do expect you to pay money. It's supposed to be free, mm-hmm. but if you don't pay money, they'll make, they'll make your life really <laughs> like hell to travel. But, um, yeah, it's not, it's not easy. You, you, need, you need to have visas to travel from country to country. Oh, but I think, if, if, if you're, I think if you're from Africa, then... You don't. You probably don't need it. I'm not sure. I'm just kind of guessing. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure if you're from the continent, you, you, yeah, it would be it would be very mean <laughs> to require a visa to travel. Yeah, because I'm thinking if I'm going to go to the continent, I, I, at least a month would be good there, right? You you spend a week in one. You knock out what four countries, probably five countries. I don't know. Spend five days here and there. I don't know to get the real experience dine with the giraffes while which country is that when they stick their heads through the um hotel window and can eat out of your hand when you're dining which one is it hold on oh what 
Jili says you cannot go from South Africa to Mozambique as a foreigner. You need, okay, so I'm sure all those countries have um, embassies here for anyone in the States and you want to plan a trip or, any, you know, get your visas so that it should ease your access. If you're greasing someone's palms, you're not getting through. <laughs> oh boy i'm telling you what are we gonna do it must be oh, th there's there's another country that people sleep on yet it's um rwanda 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 is supposed to be uh, i saw videos it's actually the cleanest country in africa it's really nice out there wow. really really nice yeah one, uh, one youtuber that i follow he, he he's from ghana but he does travel within africa he, he shows all the best because you know, like the media, they always show you like the the, the, the roughest part. <laughs> yeah. So what? So his his purpose of channels to um just to highlight the nice parts of Africa. And he, the first one he did was Rwanda, and it was it's such a beautiful like because because they've got a stigma because of the wars that they had back in the days. Yes, um, the genocide. The, the, yeah. Yeah. When when you think of Rwanda, the first thing you think of oh war killing, but it's totally different. It's so clean, peaceful. Yeah, so that's another place that I would like to um, check out. So Tasha is asking Teflon, are we going? And I'm saying it seems as though Julie yeah, knows I'm, how I'm, to get I'm, through to navigate the continent. So, um, you know, yeah, we need people who are familiar with the... Yeah, I think Julie yeah, needs to um, coordinate this Yeah, trip. I I'm think so I'm too. Next yeah. year sounds good. Next year, I think that gives everybody time to plan and save and build you know put their coins together and travel light folks travel light we don't need no one bag of clothes <laughs> for the ladies leggings but we also have to understand culture too and know the do's and don'ts of each culture so that we dress appropriately but for the most part it should be cotton clothing and easy breezy you know well, I'm not a glamour person, so that don't matter to me. So, <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like... So, uh, Julie, we need to collaborate on this one. We need to coordinate <laughs> and get it going. Because um, as much as I am from the Caribbean and I celebrate the Caribbean and everything, I do believe that we also need to celebrate the continent and support. And if we remember what we listened to yesterday when the ambassador, the former ambassador was speaking all right okay so let me get back on track i digressed for a bit but thank you for that uh teflon next up vice president harris pledges aid to ghana amid security and economic concerns story courtesy of npr.org with fears of terrorism and russian mercenaries rippling through west africa vice president kamala harris on monday opened her week-long trip to the continent by vowing support for ghana a democratic pillar in the region that is being squeezed by an economic crisis and security concerns the visit was a high-profile show of support for ghanaian president who faces rising discontent over inflation after previously overseeing one of the world's fastest growing economies under your leadership, Ghana has been a beacon of democracy and a contributor to global peace and security. That is what Harris said during a joint press conference at the Jubilee House, the presidential palace in Accra. Harris announced $100 million in assistance for the region and pledged 
She pledged that the United States would be strengthening our partnerships across the continent of Africa. The administration also is requesting another $139 million from Congress to help Ghana reduce child labor, improve weather forecasting, support local musicians, and defend against disease outbreaks. The vice president is the most notable member of President Joe Biden's administration to visit Africa this year, and she'll be continuing on to Tanzania and Zambia later this week. The trip is part of a concerted effort to broaden U.S. outreach, all at a time when China and Russia have entrenched interests of their own in Africa. Ghana and some other African countries are suffering ripple effects from the Russian invasion of Ukraine, such as higher costs for food and fuel. All right, so, uh, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Get to it, Julian and, and um, Teflon. Get busy, get busy. Uh, so those are the stories from the international scene. I don't know. Why do I have everything mixed up today? You know, I'm so distracted. But anyway, let me, no, let me couple, I have a couple more and then I'll do stories out of Latin America. Next up, why does Russia want tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus? Why? We, I think we know why. I think it is a given. I don't think it's um, rocket science, if you ask me. But let me go ahead and grab the sound. You know, I'll just read the story because it's given a little while to pull up. All right. Russian President Vladimir Putin's announcement that he intends to deploy tactical nuclear weapons on the territory of Belarus appears to be another attempt to raise the stakes of the conflict in Ukraine. Story courtesy of WSVN.com. It follows Putin's warnings that Moscow is ready to use all available means to fend off attacks on Russian territory, a, re a reference to its nuclear arsenal. A look at Putin's statement and its implications. How did Putin explain his move? Putin said that President Alexander Lukashenko of Belarus has long urged Moscow to station its nuclear weapons in his country, which has close military ties with Russia and was staging ground for the invasion of neighboring Ukraine on February 24, 2022. Russia already has helped to modernize Belarusian warplanes to make them capable of carrying nuclear weapons, something that Belarus's authoritarian leader has repeatedly mentioned. In remarks broadcast on Saturday, Putin said the immediate trigger for the deployment of Russia's tactical nuclear weapons to Belarus was the UK government's decision to provide Ukraine with armor-piercing shells containing depleted uranium. Putin toned down his language after first falsely claiming that such rounds have nuclear components, but he insisted they pose an additional danger to the civilian population and could contaminate the environment. Putin also said that by stationing tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus, Russia will be doing what the United States has done for decades by putting its nuclear weapons in Belgium, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, and Turkey. He alleged the Russian move does not violate an international treaty banning the proliferation of nuclear weapons, even though Moscow has argued before that Washington has breached the pact by deploying them on the territory of its NATO allies. Putin's move 
contrasted with a statement that he and Chinese President Jinping issued after their talks in the Kremlin last week, which spoke against nuclear powers deploying atomic weapons outside their territories in an apparent jab at the U.S. So for those who are wondering, what are tactical nuclear weapons? Let's dig a little deeper. So tactical nuclear weapons are intended to destroy enemy troops and weapons on the battlefield. They have a relatively short range and a much lower yield than nuclear warheads fitted to long-range strategic missiles that are capable of obliterating whole cities. Unlike strategic weapons, which have been subject to arms control agreements between Moscow and Washington, tactical weapons have been have well tactical weapons never have been limited by any such packs and russia has not released their numbers or any other specifics related to them the u.s government believes russia has about 2,000 tactical nuclear weapons which include bombs that can be carried by aircraft warheads for short-range missiles and artillery rounds While strategic nuclear weapons are fitted to land or submarine-based intercontinental ballistic missiles that are constantly ready for launch, tactical nuclear weapons are stored at a few tightly guarded storage facilities in Russia, and it takes time to deliver them to combat units. Some Russian hawks long have argued the Kremlin to send a warning to the West by moving some tactical nuclear weapons closer to the aircraft and missiles intended to deliver them. Oh boy. Tactical this, tactical that. (laughs) Ah, Next up on the international scene, Prince Harry in court for phone hacking suit versus the UK tabloid. Story courtesy of the Associated Press. Prince Harry and Elton John were in a London court on Monday as the lawyer for a group of British tabloids asked a judge to toss the lawsuit they brought with several other high-profile people who allege phone hacking and other invasions of privacy. Harry's presence at the High Court in London signals the importance of the case, one of several lawsuits the Duke of Sussex has brought in his battle against the press. The hearing is expected to conclude on Thursday. The cases or the case alleges Associated um, Newspapers Limited, which publishes the Daily Mail and the Mail on Sunday, commissioned the breaking and entry into private property and engaging in unlawful acts that included hiring private investigators to bug homes cars and record private phone conversations they were the victims of numerous unlawful acts carried out by the defendant or by those acting on the instructions of its newspapers that's according to attorney david sherborne in a court document are they going to toss it out or will he win if he were to win this what would it mean for tabloids in the uk Will it mean that they have to will it mean that they will have to now go back to the drawing board and um revisit how they get their information? And I think he's going to him, he, meaning Prince Harry, is going to pers- pursue this with everything in him, especially because of what happened to his mother and the media or what you call them 
what you call those people who follow you? A paparazzi. Paparazzi. And the role they played. Because when paparazzi follow you around and hawk you down and are up in your face, they turn around and sell their photos or their, their versions of stories to the media. And then the media relies on this, puts it out there for their means of revenue to, you know, what you want it to stay relevant. That's the right term to use. Yeah. So, um, so to your question, um, what will it mean to the media? Nothing. I mean, even if they get sued big money, they're still going to do what they've been doing for years. You know, they've got the money to pay for it. Um, yeah. So I don't think it will have an impact on them. I mean, they've been doing it since um, the death of his mum, in it, mm-hmm. and plus other other stuff. They've done so much, and they've been sued many times. They've paid out loads of money, and it hasn't stopped them. They'll still continue doing what they're doing. They don't care. It's, 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 yeah, it's part of the industry. It's such a shame, though. We do anything to line our pockets. We have no respect. And, and, and what is so hypocritical is that the very people who are invading people's privacy to make a dollar are the ones who will ask for privacy. Go figure. Go figure that one. I, I, I don't get it. Makes no sense to me, but hey, what can I say? All right, it's time for us to get into stories out of Latin America. Thank you for that, Celia Cruz. At least 16 people were killed. Did I read this? 16 people killed in a landslide in central Ecuador? I don't think so. Story courtesy of NPR.org. A massive landslide swept over an Andean community in central Ecuador, burying dozens of homes and killing at least 16 people as rescuers frantically searched for survivors, authorities said on Monday. Ecuador's risk management secretariat said 16 people were injured and seven remained missing hours after the landslide on Sunday. Uh, It occurred about 137 miles south of the capital, Quito, in Alausi. The agency estimated that 500 people and 163 homes were affected by the disaster, which also destroyed a portion of the Pan-American Highway. So unfortunate, we send out our prayers to them. Our next story, also courtesy of NPR.org, Ciudad Juarez live updates. Mexico's president says migrants set fire to a facility themselves. Hmm, that's interesting. U.S. Ambassador to Mexico, Ken Salazar, says the U.S. joins the families of migrants who are feeling the pain from dead or injured loved ones. Salazar also said in a tweet that the fire is a reminder to governments in the region that it is important to fix the broken immigration system. He added that the fire in Ciudad Juarez also shows the risks of irregular migration. Uh, According to Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador, he says that the migrants started the fire themselves, but others are still investigating the cause. It happened at 
as mentioned earlier, Ciudad Juarez, which is a popular spot for border crossings. And there are tensions between migrants and authorities, and they continue to be on the rise. Uh, Local authorities are sending condolences and waiting on word from U.S. leaders about whether this could impact immigration policy. I find it hard to believe. I'm sorry. Call me what you want to call me. But I find it hard to believe that the migrants would set the fire, would, would start the fire at this facility. Journeying from so far, many of them, why would they do this? What, is the, what would be their reason? A reasonable explanation to wanting to set the fire at the immigration facility in Ciudad Juarez. Makes no sense to me. So let's see what else comes out of it. Yeah. Mexico's president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, said that most of the 60 men, 68 men housed in the facility were from Venezuela and South America. But beyond that, we still don't know a lot about the identities of the victims. The National Migration Institute said it was reaching out to foreign consulates to try to identify those who died. But if the migrants were like the others in Ciudad Juarez, there's a good chance some of them were impacted by Title 42. The pandemic-era health measure restricted immigration on the southern border, allowing authorities to expel migrants who might otherwise qualify for asylum. In December, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled the policy could remain in effect until May, delaying a possible influx of border crossings. So unfortunate that this happened, but I am waiting for more stories because or more information as the investigations continue, because I find it hard to believe that they would do this. All right, going to take another quick break. When we return, we have stories out of North America. Here is Jade with Don't Walk Away. Thank you for logging on and listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Keep it locked.
Thank you to my listeners online, the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com, and JanoRadio.com. It is Turned Up Tuesday. Playing yesterday's favorites, today's hits. We're continuing to honor women through music as we wind down Women's History Month. Stories out of North America, we have an opinion piece, business and tech news, health and science news, lifestyle, some sports, believe it or not, yes, and the brew. Taking you back with this one, I'll be good, 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 (laughs) don't mind my singing, can't sing of course. After this one, we're going to go ahead and get back to business. Is the top of the hour coming up tomorrow we have hashtag wcw we celebrate women every thursday it is retro thursday we take you back to the 80s 90s and early 2000s and then friday it is the freestyle friday inside the friday mix we play all genres all decades Gonna go ahead and get back to it. Thank you once again to everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. And thank you to everyone right here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. Thank you for joining me for Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. Tune in every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Oh, remember, you can follow me on Twitter, Me Media Moments, on Instagram, Moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok. 
me. No, Moments with Mimi. I almost forgot that one. And the mean everything is M.I. be good and get back to it right now thank you renee and angela it is time for stories out of north america first up family of a tamarack couple kidnapped in haiti please for release story courtesy of the associated press nikis Toussaint was at church so she didn't see the text message from her sister all she knew at that point was that their brother and his wife who live in the u.s had landed safely in haiti to visit ailing relatives and prepare for rara rara is a colorful and boisterous festival born out of the dark days of slave i think carnival is like that too, right? A lot of our festivals are born out of slavery. It wasn't until Toussaint got home and her sister followed up the unread text with a phone call that she learned her warnings had materialized. Their brother, an accountant, his wife, a social worker, and another person were snatched off a public bus amid a surge in gang-related kidnappings. Toussaint took a deep breath. Not again, she thought. Seventeen years earlier, gangs had kidnapped two of her cousins in the capital of Port-au-Prince. They were eventually released, but remained traumatized. This time, the gang that kidnapped her brother, wife, and another person is demanding $200,000 each. How are we ever going to come up with that money, Toussaint told the Associated Press in a phone interview on Monday from the U.S. The kidnapping occurred March 18, and since then, her brother Jean Dickens Toussaint has been allowed to make only two brief calls. All his family knows is that he and his wife, Abigail Michael Toussaint, are tied up. The phone calls are too brief to find out if they're being given food or water or treated generally well. The couple were on their way to Jean Decon's to, Toussaint's hometown of Leogan, which many Haitians believe organizes the country's best Rara festival. Three pandemic years had gone by since he last led a Rara band through those streets, and a 33-year-old accountant was excited to resume his role as colonel. So, a little more about Rara. It is similar to a carnival with drums, bamboo instruments, and metal horns accompanying singers as they parade through the town behind band leaders like Toussaint in a homage to the slave revolution that led Haiti to become the world's first black republic. I do hope. Um, well, so far, $6,000 has been paid over to the gang. The money vanished. They said, well, let me let me rephrase that. They gave someone they trusted, the family in the US gave someone they trusted $6,000 to hand over to the gang, but the money vanished. They're saying it's not unusual for gangs in Haiti to refuse to release kidnapping victims even after they have been paid, but uh, Toussaint believes it was a scam. Hmm. Well, um, a sp spokespeople, rather, with the U.S. Department of State's we Bureau of Western Hemisphere Affairs did not immediate, immediately return a message for comment. I wonder why not. 
are they working it out? Are they trying to see um, how they can help get these folks back? Why they're not wanting to say anything? I hope that's the reason. I'm going to hope that's the reason. Sorry, Kalisha, my bad. I wasn't looking down. I hope that's the reason. Yeah. Because the ongoing violence in Port-au-Prince and beyond has also displaced over 160,000 people as warring gangs have set fires to neighborhoods in their bid to control more territory. This is so sad. All right, next up, Nashville shooter who killed six, drew maps and surveyed the school. So, uh, I don't want anybody to tell me, say, this woman um, was crazy, had mental health concerns. Please, I don't want to hear it. I really don't want to hear it because I will tell you some unkind words, dead ass. Um, here we go. Now at 9, surveillance video shows the Nashville school shooter casing the hallways armed and loaded. Within minutes, six people were killed, including three nine-year-olds. Now officials are trying to figure out what led to that nightmare in Nashville. 7, Samantha Sosa is live in the Newsplex with the latest on the investigation. Samantha. Ethan, Vanessa, police say that the shooter, a former student, walked into that school with a handgun and two AR-style weapons. This morning, as you said, Ethan, we know that six victims are dead, including three nine-year-olds and three adults in their 60s. Chilling surveillance video released by the Metro Nashville Police Department shows the moment a shooter paces the halls of a private Christian school in Nashville, which teaches students from preschool to sixth grade. The two-minute clip shows 28-year-old Audrey Hale driving around the school, then shooting out the side door and entering the building. That's when police responded to a 911 call of shots fired in the school. Metro, is, Metro Midtown is on a school shooting. Multiple victims down. Video shows the teachers shuffling students to safety, a familiar sight as children hold hands creating a chain and walk in a line led by a teacher. Photos show emotional parents hugging their kids tight, grateful to be among the lucky ones. Meanwhile, officers rushed in canvassing the building. Officers entered the first story of the school, began clearing it. They heard shots coming from the second level. They immediately went to the gunfire. When the officers got to the second level, they saw a shooter, a female, who was firing. The officers engaged her. She was fatally shot by responding police officers. As Hale fired out responding officers outside, Officer Rex Engelbert and Officer Michael Colazzo shot and killed Hale, allowing rescue crews to reach the victims, rushing them to the hospital. We did make transport of three uh, individuals and three children and then um, two adults that were taken from the scene. I was literally moved to tears to see this and the kids as they were being ushered out of the building. The shooting stunning the community. There's one couple running up the hill and um, some cop on a motorcycle stopped them and then the, the woman, I'm assuming the mother, just doubled over and just hysterics and crying. Just seeing the parents over there and coming up and break it down, it's a lot. So you just don't think this happens in your area. Police also releasing photos of the damage left behind. And we're also learning that Hallie Scruggs, one of the young victims, is the only daughter of the senior pastor of Covenant uh, Presbyterian Church, which houses the Covenant School. 
A photo from 2019 shows Chad Scruggs smiling with his then five-year-old daughter, Hallie. One of the lives taken in Monday's senseless shooting, her family and the community in mourning. An unimaginable notification at a church near a deadly shooting. Three families at a time learning if they would be reunited with loved ones. Three families at a time. You're going to come up, go out this door. They're going to take you downstairs to, to be with your kiddos, okay? There are dozens of people affected at Covenant School in Nashville, where a former student opened fire Monday morning. Students linking up to get to safety after the automatic gunfire stopped in the upper lobby. But above all, the three students and three adults who didn't make it out alive. The three nine-year-olds who were killed, Evelyn Dickhouse, William Kenny, Hallie Scruggs. Three adults, Mike Hill, a custodian, age 61, Cynthia Peak, to my understanding, a substitute teacher, age 61, and Katherine Kuntz, age 60. According to her profile on LinkedIn, this is Kuntz's seventh year as head of school at Covenant School. Her daughter is a teacher at the small Presbyterian school as well. A friend describes Hill as the type of man who would sacrifice for others. Well, school officials say they're in shock over the tragedy and are now focused on loving the students, families, faculty and staff and beginning the process of healing. There are several memorials scheduled in the coming days to honor those victims. Ethan and Samantha, this morning we're learning more about the shooter, Audrey Hale. We're also seeing what investigators found before and after that deadly shooting. Minutes before police say 28 year old Audrey Hale entered a Nashville primary school. A former middle school basketball teammate says she received a chilling Instagram message from the shooter. According to Avariana Patton, the message said Hale would die by suicide and that she would see it on the news. Quote, one day this will make more sense. I've left more than enough evidence behind, but something bad is about to happen. Patton shared her reaction to the message this morning. I just couldn't believe it. Like, I didn't affect to know that I did, you know, I tried to reach out, you know, not even knowing that it was her. I, I, I didn't, I just. I don't know. Investigators identifying Hale as transgender and say the 28-year-old may have had some resentment for going to the Covenant School as a child. From my initial findings is that at one point she was a student at that school, uh, but unsure what year, all of that. As surveillance video shows, Hale was armed with at least two automatic style rifles and a handgun dressed with tactical gear. And investigators say the attack was pre-planned. We've also determined uh, there were uh, maps drawn of the school in detail of uh, surveillance, uh, entry points, etc. She entered on the lower floor. Uh, there were shots fired on the lower floor before she went to the upper level. And it was on the upper level where she was confronted by police and killed. Later in the day, officers were spotted outside the suspected shooter's home. Saw the helicopter flying around for you know 10 minutes, but in one place, and then they started flying over our uh, our house. And uh, then about a minute or two later, we heard um, uh, uh, the police um, like bullhorn or whatever it is uh, just announced something. And it was pretty loud, but faint in the distance. And then there was an explosion. There, they say they seized additional weapons and evidence. We have a manifesto, we have some writings that we're going over. 
uh, that uh, pertain to this day, the actual incident. Well, according to data from the Gun Violence Archive, this is the 129th mass shooting in the U.S. this year. We're just 87 days into 2023. President Biden, meantime, addressed the shooting yesterday, calling on Congress to ban certain assault weapons. At TD Bank, we see the story behind every transaction. After every killing, mass shooting, especially those that involve children, he says the same thing. Calling on Congress. What? The backside, you can't use executive order. What? what, what? I can't even speak. How many times are you going to wait on Congress for them to do absolutely nothing? Moments, you see that um, article that I put in the chat? Can you hear me? Yes, go right ahead. Right. So that article um, gives you like a backstory of um, that church. Because we, we, we was in the room this morning, we was dissecting um, <clears throat> this instance. So, um, yeah, so it goes way back. So that church um, was affiliated with um, Al Gore, Al Gore and some other people. Uh, a lot of elites used to um, venture that church and they said um, there was a lot of paedophilia activities back then. They had a, a paedophile ring in there. So um, I think this um, this person, uh, what's her name? Um, Hill. Was it? Yeah. Something Hill. Yeah, she, she witnessed all of that. And I've, they, what the article is saying is that she's, she probably did this um, as a statement like trying to trying to bring attention to the church, um, like even 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 that um, soundbite that you played, the guy said that um, it was pre-planned. It was definitely pre-planned. Mm -hmm. um, even even um, there was another article that I was reading. They said they're saying that the front house always has someone at the front house, but um, yesterday when that incident took place, that that person wasn't there. It was empty. And the parking lot was was laid out um, was laid laid out conveniently for her to drive through um, very easy because they said normally there's cars scattered everywhere, but it was just all orchestrated really conveniently for um, this this thing to take place. So yeah, um, so yeah, so so they reckon she she done all this um, to kind of bring attention to the church. And if you notice, she killed um, the um, the daughter of. Um, the was it, was it the, yeah, the pastor, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she, she was definitely making a statement. And it's, it's very tra tragic that other people got involved. <sighs> yeah, it's crazy. Thank you, Teflon. Thank you. I'm definitely going to have to read the, the article you sent over uh, when I get off because it is a lengthy article, folks, and then we can talk about it tomorrow. I'm going to... Um, yeah, break it's very it down. detailed. Yeah, yeah, they they literally break down the timeline. There's a there's a timeline, and they mentioned all the names that were involved. Um, yeah. Al Gore, um, the, the, so some some affiliations with the Bushes as well. Um, they they used to go there um, on a regular basis um, to to do church activities, but they're saying that um, there were some other activities that was taking place there as well. Okay, so uh, yeah, so this her her action speaks to something that was happening at that church. But I, I'm going to jump to the chat real quick. Beloved uh, Comunidad says there is a pattern in the U.S. 
Gun violence is seen as a legitimate resource for retribution for grievances. This one will likely be credited towards her experience of injustice. John Wayne culture is a sick reflection of America's need for reconciliation and healing. The explanation or rationale of this incident does not explain the pattern of violence. What is definitely a constant is that everyone who commits a mass murder is doing it out of um, anger, frustration, vengeance, retribution, whatever you want to call it. It's tied to something. There is, it's always connected to something. Always. Whether it's out of hate, hate derived from racism or discrimination, hate derived from one thinking that they're superior, religion, having had to suppress religious atrocities, some financial, but they always do it for a reason. So we are aware that mass shootings, and I have to say this, unfortunately, have become a part of American culture. Accepted. We are becoming numb to it, unfortunately. It's just another day in the hood, the USA. And our leaders have allowed it to be accepted as a way of life, as the norm. And it seems to be the Democratic leaders who have an issue with just taking the bull by the horn and doing what needs to be done, even if it's a Band-Aid. And that Band-Aid, we understand, is the executive order because presidents are limited in their scope of what they can enact, it seems. Certain things they seem to be able to do and other things they choose not to do. And I'm saying it deliberately that way. Choose not to do. Yesterday, we played the video um, from TikTok of various, you know, with the, the lady who was showing the investments of senators into Google, the alphabet company, uh, Meta, <laughs> right? Things that are of concern to them are the things that will get their attention. That's it. One would have thought that after the Sandy Hook elementary shooting that happened while President Obama was in office, that that would have been the last. Okay, fast forward. Uvalde, Texas. Wasn't that last year? One would have thought that, okay, they missed the mark with Sandy Hook. They're not going to allow it to happen again. Boom. Here we go. 
How many more shootings do we have to have in schools for them to understand the necessity to put in strict gun laws as it relates especially to high-powered rifles? Because if we look at history, what is the common denominator with all these shootings? High-powered weapons, rifles. Every single one of them. High-powered rifles. Oh, but we don't have an issue with that. TikTok is the issue. TikTok is the issue. And I'm not saying that... um, Probably if she had a, a, a less deadly weapon, she probably would have taken out one or two people, which is still a lot. Three children dead, three nine-year-olds dead, and three adults dead. A substitute teacher, the head of the school, and a custodian. 61 60, 61. Well, let's hear what the reason is. I'm anxious to hear her reason because she told the person via the um, text or whatever you want to call it, the message, that very soon we'll all understand. President Biden, I implore you to use executive order to get something done we are living in a country with a lot of angry people people who feel neglected ignored abandoned people who are frustrated Because no one is listening to them. No one is paying attention to them. No one is addressing their concerns. We're busy removing CRT. But we're not busy about doing something about gun control. We're busy worrying about drag shows, but we're not concerned about gun control. We're busy worrying about China and its access to our data, but we're not worried about our children being murdered. We're busy telling other countries how to operate, but we're not concerned about what's going on within our own borders. Clean up your damn house before you start cleaning up other people's houses. Because our houses or our house has a lot of cobwebs all over it. Stop waiting for the other end of the aisle or the other side of the aisle to be on board with you. Do something about it. There have been 42, hear me right, 42, 42 
40 plus 2 K through 12 school shootings since Uvalde last year. 42! Is it because nobody's murdering your grandchildren, Congress? Is that the reason why nobody's murdering your grandchildren or your children? Why y'all don't give a damn about what's happening? Clearly. Will it have to reach your... And even then you probably won't care. You'd probably just say, oh, okay. Still making my money though. What will it take for you all to wake your sleepy asses up and do something? We are a messed up country. With messed up people running the country. With messed up people sitting in seats that we keep voting and putting there. No wonder we're losing our foothold around the world. We became the laughing stock of the world when Trump went in power. That was it. A real circus. That's what we're running. And I'm not trying to discredit or discount the good that has happened. But damn it, man, we've heard this too much. 42 K-12 through school shootings since Uvalde happened last May. Day 87, 129 mass shootings in the United States of America. But we're busy telling people not to go to other countries. Damn it, we need a ban for coming to the U.S. Nobody needs to come to the U.S. because it's a crazy world here. How about you put in travel advisories for your damn self? No parent gets up in the morning, looks after their child, sends them off to school, hugs them, kisses them, tells them I love you, have a great day, do your best today. You know we're rooting for you, for them not to come back home. No one tells their partner or their loved ones to have a great day whilst they go out there to do their job so that they can pay their bills and look after their families for them not to make it back home. I agree with you, Don. Cut off the head of the NRA. Chop it off. And I'm not speaking literally, folks, metaphorically speaking. Get rid of the NRA. And for hey, all moment. of oh, sorry. and for all of you who sit up there in Congress collecting money from stocks, the stocks that you purchased into the NRA and anything to deal with weapons, shame on you. You need to turn over your money, every single cent, to your the families who have lost loved ones at the hands of gun violence. Go right ahead. Um Afu, go ahead. Yeah, um, enough understand what um over here said, the history over here saying, you know? um, mass shooting has always been a part of America. You know what I mean? Always, always, almost hundreds of years ago, out till now, it's always been a part of America. That's their culture. 
that's their way of life. That's how them go around, take people town, you know what I mean? Rights, you name it. So it's always been a part of them, them way of life. You know what I mean? I saw them conquer. So with that said, and them even say all them for them so-called forefathers found these, the country and all that and all up and whatever nonsense them as I say on the constitution. So really and truly, it's like them say, I hope them birth right for own um, guns. You know what I mean? And you know them sick twisted mind. You know what I mean? Um, that is all them drive fear in you know, others and and whatever it is them live by and them patriotism and all kind of weirdness. Um, so them now go go out of them way to get rid of that. That's what the country was built upon. That what the country is known for. So they are not going to go around to make no former executive order anything to get rid of any no um, restriction upon high power rifle guns and none of that stuff. And that is why to this day, you know, say none of that take place. Uh, like I said, how many more shootings of kids in school need to be done for them to do something? Not uh, it can it go up more and more, and nothing is not going to be done because that's their birthright, that's their way of life, that's how them feel, and it to continue to stay that way. And uh, we learn for that. Thank you, Alpha. I don't know. I really don't know. What's next? We don't know. We really don't know. We just keep hoping that at some point, someone will have the common sense to start a movement. And it has to happen in Congress because they ain't listening to us. We pay them, but they're no business with us. That, that's the truth. You know, yesterday, um, I, I, I was saying, I don't even know what's the point of having any elections because you vote anyway. And the electoral college makes the final decision. You hope that whoever is in the electoral college will make the decision that is best suited for us. But it, it, it really don't matter. Them are going to put in who them want put in anyway. Whether you have the popular vote or not. It is what it is. We just hope that the people we vote in at the local and state levels will do right by us. Because right now, if you ask me, everybody is failing us. Word about going after people for PPP loans. <laughs> We have bigger issues on our hands. Bigger issues. Things we need to address, folks. We are not saying take away the right to own a weapon. It's the kind of weapon. That's what we're talking about. We're not saying you shouldn't own a gun. We are asking that certain types of guns be removed. There should be zero access to them. We're also asking for stricter measures to be put in place for who can have access to a gun. 
right now in the state of Florida, the sanctimonious is asking that, you know, we don't even have to have a permit. That's what's on the table in the state of Florida. So it's wacky-o or wacky-no. Anybody can have a gun-o. Uh, bring it back to the wild, wild west. You know, the western days. You just have a gun and do your thing. And as you can see, them pride on it. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, Texas, uh, oh, was it Texas? Was it Texas? I said, like, you know, I remember what Texas said with them gun thing. You know what I mean? But I've said them people are all up on certain his, history. What we find weird and cruel, them all up on it. Them have reenactment, a civil, um, civil war and slavery and all them something with it. You know what I mean? So it's all, so that just show you the mindset of these people where we live over here. You know what I mean? Uh, that's that's how them brain work. That's how it's thick. It's all them known. That's how them family have lands and wealth. That's what the country was built upon. upon you know what I mean? Uh, founded up, um, upon. So they they, they might go hold on to that for their life. And if people come and and try to I say yo, this I get out of hand. Hey, at twenty twenty three, you know, um, some of them something need to get strike done and you know. Uh, you see how much people out there are rally, you know what I mean? Oh, they're taking away our rights out there with them Confederate flag flying high, you, you know what I mean? Uh, man out there march around uh, uh, with swastika and all kind of things, you know what I mean? So, I, I, I just them culture and them way of life. And at full time now, 2023, people need to understand that this is the climate. This is this is what the country over here is all about. You know, see what take place in a Mississippi. They might try to bring back Jim Crow law, you know what I mean? Like, outright, not the public, like how it used to be. They might try to bring it back. You know what I mean? People, um, black people are going missing, and they might find them in the woods, decapitated, modern-day lynching. You get what I say? So, this is what the country is built upon. So, uh, it, it, when I see them, so when I see them things that happen, it's not surprising to me at all. Because well, my auntie, before my auntie, um, before I came over here, my auntie make sure to tell me, yo, know the country where I go, learn about them culture, know the, the way I go, and trust me, that's what I've been doing ever since. I'm gonna come over here and listen to my wife. She tell me some things will happen, some things on me sitting on research board. So it. it the answer, so we're coming to the conclusion and we say clear as day, say, yo, this is just how the country is. It's a racist place. Don't get me wrong. Yes, it has some little good benefits um, over here and, and all of that. You get what I say? But don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted. You can come over here, work, um, have a nice place, your car, whatever it is, and you, you, you go down the road. And if an a police stop you and, and want to shoot or kill you, it's a citizen who wants to stop and shoot or kill you. You get what I say? So, uh, uh, so not to be aware of the place when you're there and just know that you're so over your set. And none of them politicians up on no side, no Republican, no Democrat, now going to do nothing about it. They're just going to come, they're going to read off of the tele, whatever the hell they want to the screen thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, you know. And just read a little thing for kind of calm on down. And when you calm down, then later on, you know, a couple of days later, maybe a month later, oh, another mass shooting take place at an elementary school or a high school. You know what I mean? And, and them come out and them do it all over again, calm on down. 
And then a couple months ago, it's just a cycle. Them don't care and them not gonna ever do nothing about it because of them birthright and them way of life. We don't know how much more I'm gonna stress <laughs> that. This is the country when you live in. So you know, either go continue work, save the money and just live with it or work, save the money and just leave and go somewhere else. Yeah. And people are leaving Afro. People are indeed Oh, leaving. I know. Right now, a whole lot of people are flood to Africa. Um, the guy who follow up on African Diaspora News Channel, him, 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 him have um, things where um, you can, uh, I guess, some kind of travel thing. You can go and explore these countries. Uh, Ghana, Kenya, South Africa. I think him there South Africa right now. And I'm always a put on them little thing there where persons can come and them travel and see the continent and, and stuff like that. I'm telling people, say, yo, if you don't feel like you want to go to the continent, go to the Caribbean. <laughs> go places where mostly your skin color there. Don't go places where you can't actually count too much people look like you. And then when something bad happens to you, you say, oh, oh the racist. Oh, why <laughs> does this happen? You know what I mean? Go places yeah. where I, I would not say nothing at no, no, these other places. I mean, look on Jamaica. Right. <laughs> you see right. We don't say that. But at least you know something bad now come beat her down and try to do nothing to you because of your skin color. Right. You get what I say? Um, so I, I just learned something. I just so over here, so stay. And yeah. a, a full time now, people just understand and know, say, hey, them live at Babylon. Plain and simple. <laughs> Thank you, Alpha. Go I right just, ahead. I, I, Go I, right I, I ahead, just, Teflon. I just feel like, I just feel like um, it doesn't matter how, how much they restrict access to these uh, mass weapons, they st- it's, they're still going to get hold of it. If they really want to get hold of it to. to um, to do a mass shooting, they're going to get hold of it. I don't think anything can stop it. There's always ways of getting stuff, as long as you have the contacts. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I really, all I know is that something really needs to get done. <sighs> thank you, thank you. Uh, let me read. Def- go ahead, Teflon, go ahead, Donald, and then I'll read some one comments. One other thing the chat. you said also that is uh, when it comes to crime, opportunity is one of the biggest factors. Whether or not a crime is committed. So, if you try to um, take away the opportunity somewhat or restrict it, maybe you could, you, could, you could minimize it, you know, or you could bring it down. Of course, if somebody intent on doing it, they would find a way. But if you have less of these kind of guns circulating, the probability of it happening and, and so might just reduce, you know. Or you might be able to contain it somewhat. If if a guy go there with a shotgun is with, with a gun with six bullets or ten bullets or whatever, it's only so much you you can shoot. Yeah. With an assault rifle within seconds you annihilating people. It's crazy. Yeah. Thank you, Donald. I'm gonna read some comments from the chat real quick. So Geely says, unless one of those shootings hit extremely close to home for one of these lawmakers, I don't think anything will be done, unfortunately. We will be talking about a next mass shooting by next month. I want to say by next week or the next two weeks. Well, next month is, yeah, next week anyway. Uh, Donald said, unless a few of their family members end up dead, nothing will really change. And Beloved said, in 2020, there were, and this is a quotation, so she provided the stats. In 2020, there were 21,430 deaths among children and adolescents age 1 through 19 in the U.S. Firearm-related injuries, mainly homicides, 
surpassed motor vehicle accidents to become the leading cause of death among children and adolescents, with nearly a 30% increase from 2019. 21,430 deaths among children in the United States of America. 21,000. But you're worried about abortions. You're worried about controlling a woman's vagina and her uterus and what she chooses to do with it. You're worried about saving souls and people not going to hell. Because that's what you think you're doing. You're, you know, not understanding and I'm not going to get into religion. But you're worried about saving children's lives because you say abortion is murder. Well, aren't you condoning the murder of children because now they are in the world breathing on their own? Isn't that what you're doing? Condoning the murder of children? And you're making money off of it. Yes, you are. Because you're invested. You're supported. Backed by the NRA. So it benefits you. So that's what we're to do. Bring them into the world so you can murder them. But if we murder them, everybody in our Congress who have money invested are now backed by the NRA need to go sit down in a jail. Need to go spend time in jail. Guilty of murder. You want to lock up a woman for having an abortion? All of y'all need to be in jail for murder. What if that was how it went? Hmm? What if that was how the law was written? That if you invest in the NRA or anything that has to do with weapons and ammunition and somebody gets murdered on the street and it so happens that the weapon that they use is a company that you have invested in, your ass gets hauled off to jail for murder. How about that? You see how quick want to do something. But because it affects you, it doesn't bother you. Because it's not at your doorstep, it doesn't bother you. It's just another day in paradise for you. While you're there trading $150 million worth of stocks. Because somebody has lined your all pockets. I said $19 billion, I said $19 million. That's what y'all concerned about. Uh, a parent can drive more. Um, hold on. Donald said, beloved, the stats is crazy. A parent can drive more safely. You can do nothing to keep them safe when you drop your child off at school. Working against drag shows, but we're selling mass capacity weapons. We're worried about drag shows, but when you turn on the TV, there are commercials with same-sex couples kissing. We worry about drag shows, but when you turn on the TV, they're cartoons. So I think we need to reorganize our priorities, folks. We worry about the wrong thing. Clearly. Clearly. 
jumbled wreckage complicates chocolate factory blast probe. Story courtesy of the Associated Press via WSVN Miami. Millions dealing with wicked weather all across the U.S. from severe storms to deadly tornadoes. John Lawrence reports. Parts of California are getting clobbered with another major winter storm system, which grew in strength over the Pacific Ocean. A wind advisory is in effect for more than 15 million people in California and Oregon through Tuesday, and the National Weather Service has warned residents about the potential threat of downed trees and power outages. Last year, all of California was in a drought, but this unusually strong winter has resulted in record-setting snowpack and nearly full reservoirs. Oh, California is getting it. California certainly is getting it. I hope that people will not be gravely affected as the winter. Um, hold on. What did I? I just played the one for that. Yeah. So I played the wrong clip. I guess I'm too angry <laughs> coming out. You see, that should have been my last story for news out of North America. You know. Yes, Sanat. They need to fix gun control. That's what they need to fix. But they're so focused on everything else. They focused on wanting to pull critical race theory out of school. Anyway, sorry, folks. That clip you just heard was in relation to the, the weather in California, the winter storm that is set to cause more downed trees and power outages and flooding for that state. But I should have played... Well, there isn't a clip, but I should have read the article about the jumbled wreckage, which has complicated the, the issues at the chocolate factory. Investigators looking for the cause of a deadly explosion that leveled part of a Pennsylvania chocolate factory faced an even more difficult task on Monday as they combed through wreckage that was extensively picked apart and moved around during the intensive weekend search for victims and survivors. Seven people were killed and several others wounded in the powerful blast at the R.M. Palmer Company plant in West Reading, Pennsylvania, which lies about 60 miles northwest of Philadelphia. One survivor was pulled from the rubble hours after the explosion rattled windows and shook houses. With the recovery effort now over, attention turned to identifying the cause, a task complicated by the jumbled wreckage. Well, start with... How about y'all start with the complaints that were given with regards to the smell of gas? Come on, folks. I don't have a degree in whatever it is it needs to do all that. But come on, let's start there. A little common sense. Oh my gosh. Next up. A principal is fired. Invited to Italy after students are shown Michael Angelo's David. Story courtesy of NPR.org. Support for NPR comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Michelangelo's classic sculpture, David, is causing a stir on both sides of the Atlantic. After a picture of the statue was shown in a Florida classroom, a principal was pressured to resign. Soon after, the mayor of Florence, Italy, weighed in. NPR's Juliana Kim reports. Every year, sixth graders at Tallahassee Classical School study Michelangelo's David. It's part of an art history lesson on the Renaissance. But this month, things went awry at the public charter school. 
The lesson sparked a mass apology letter, an emergency school board meeting, and a principal's resignation. I've had other people who are like, wow, a lot of other things have happened in other schools that seem a whole lot worse and, you know, nothing happened. Um, none of this seems like I should have risen to this level. That's Hope Karaskia. She had been the school's principal for about nine months. She says the fallout began after administrators forgot to send out an email notifying parents about the art lesson ahead of time. I made the assumption that the letter went out and I didn't follow up on it. Three parents complained, one of whom compared the statue to pornographic material. An apology letter soon followed. But even after that, the principal was asked to meet with the school board chair, Barney Bishop III. He gave her an ultimatum, resign or be terminated without cause. Bishop says there were multiple reasons the principal was let go, and he emphasized that the problem wasn't the picture, but the process of notifying parents. And we're going to teach it regardless of whether parents are in favor of it or not. But if they're not in favor of it, we're going to give them alternative curriculum. The debacle comes at a time when the issue of what's taught in schools is hotly contested, both in Florida and across the U.S. Bishop believes parents are entitled to determine what's age-appropriate for their children. And Karaskia agrees that parents and schools should work together. But she says... I mean, I have faculty members who are, like, it's making them nervous because they're like, wow, if this could happen to the head of our school in this way... For this kind of reason or non-reason, like none of us are safe. Kerskia stepped down last Monday. In the past few days, she's received support from all over, including Florence, Italy, where David is displayed. Florence's mayor personally invited her to the city, saying anyone who teaches Michelangelo's masterpiece deserves respect. Kerskia says she feels honored by the recognition, but she's still sad to no longer work at her school, and she's unsure what she'll do next. Juliana Kim, NPR News. Um. <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> Thank you, Senator, for putting it in here, Peter. You're welcome. <laughs> I have a question, folks. A real question. The children in Italy, are they banned from looking at these statues question because as far as i and as far as i know they're not they see these statues all day every day so um are these children messed up for seeing these statues i'm asking I know children in Spain are allowed to drink wine from, I think it's the age of 10 or something like that. Are they messed up? <laughs> the only thing that's wrong with the picture, uh, with the statue, I only have one complaint with the statue, but I can't talk about that on air. I know what your complaint is, ma'am. <laughs> I know your complaint is, and we, we, we all know your complaint. The proportions are off, and we understand that. But um, mm -hmm. I've been, I've seen this statue since I was young. Thank you. I was probably, um, I, rem I saw in person in New York, because I lived in New York, so I saw, I've seen in person many times. 
at the Museum of Natural History. Um, but I've also seen pictures of that for years. And you know what? I'm okay. I think I'm okay. Some people may disagree because I'm okay with a lot of things. You know, I'm okay with the gay people. They can do whatever they want in front of me if they want to. They can hold hands, tell each other they love each other, give them kisses, hugs. Um, I'm okay with white people doing it to each other, white people kissing black people, black people kissing white people, Asian people, green people, brown people. So, you know, maybe what looking at um, naked statues has screwed me up. Probably has but, screwed hey, me up too. <laughs> a terrible, terrible individual. So that you and I are in the same boat, it has messed me up clearly too. I remember looking at pictures from a very young age. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It, it screwed us up so that. Made us see the world in a whole different way. But yet we're not walking around killing anybody. We're not walking around. Um, I don't know. We're not the ones with the high powered rifles. I don't know. But. Don't let my liberal, my Christian liberal behind confuse anybody, okay? Y'all do what suits y'all. I just want to know from the adults in um, Europe who, whose children see these statues day in, day out, if they are affected in any way, shape, or form. That's all I want to know. How has it affected their mental health? How? You know, but hey, who am I? <laughs> so we do have an opinion piece today. It, um, it is courtesy of CNN, written by Justin uh, Hansford and Shaq Al-Hijaz. As GOP governors obscure black history, let us finally tell the truth about Marcus Garvey. Earlier this month, President Joe Biden called out the GOP for trying to hide the truth about black history. While politicians like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin have described their efforts to reform education as bans on teaching critical race theory. In reality, these bans have been invoked to prohibit teaching elements of American history, especially black history. The suppression of stories integral to the American narrative not only robs us of important historical lessons, but also warps our vision of ourselves and our future and makes us all less rich. In our lives, that is. With some of this country's most powerful political figures trying to obscure the story of black history, now is a good time to tell the true stories of black leaders in America, particularly ones like Marcus Garvey, who was the subject of injustice and distortion. Known superficially as a back-to-Africa advocate, as in repatriating black people to the African continent, Garvey actually founded what might well have been the largest human rights campaign in the history of the African diaspora. At its zenith, 
Garvey's organization boasted a membership of at least 6 million people with chapters registered in more than 40 nations. It provided inspiration for the life's work of many important black leaders, including Nelson Mandela, Malcolm X, and Martin Luther King Jr. The Jamaican-born Garvey energized millions by calling for an end to colonialism in Africa for economic justice for the entire African diaspora and for cultural and political recognition and independence 100 years ago, a time when such declarations were just about unheard of. As part of his push to provide economic opportunity and autonomy for black people, Garvey started the black-owned and operated Black Star Line Shipping Company stylized after the White Star Line, which owned the Titanic. Garvey's ships, in theory, could have helped transport black people back to Africa, facilitated trade throughout the diaspora, and instilled pride while providing a vision of economic empowerment. Instead, Garvey's movement splintered in the summer of 1923 when a federal judge in the Southern District of New York convicted him of mail fraud for sending out advertisements for the purchase of stock in the Black Star Line, even though the shipping company was failing economically. The government not only accused Garvey of seeking to sell stock for too high of a price, but it insinuated that Garvey's entire career was nothing more than a Ponzi scheme designed to make a quick buck. To the contrary, historians have for decades believed that Garvey was framed for political reasons. Indeed, as one of us has documented, the entire legal process dripped with injustice and animosity toward Garvey. For example... Both the trial judge and the appellate judge were conspicuously friendly with Garvey's political opponents. In fact, even the initial charges can be traced directly to espionage and efforts to infiltrate the Black Star Line by J. Edgar Hoover, who hired some of the first ever Black Bureau of Investigation agents in order to stop any Black Moses figures like Garvey from succeeding. Hoover wrote about his search to find a charge that would allow the government to, to deport Garvey, settling on mail fraud when other grounds for charges were unsuccessful. After thousands of Garvey's followers, the supposed victims of the fraud, petitioned for his release, his sentence was commuted in 1927. Ultimately, after Garvey's political vision had been silenced, advocates for racial justice in the United States and abroad began to focus less on economic justice and more on civil and political rights for most of the 20th century. Today, the widening wealth gap and other indicators of inequality suggest that this shift in focus was costly. Now, Democratic Representative Yvette D. Clark of New York, first vice chair of the Congressional Black Caucus and Democratic Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia, are trying to set the historical record straight. Recognizing the weight of evidence, supporting Garvey's innocence and identifying him as a champion for the liberation of people of African descent. 
The world deserves to know the truth about Marcus Mosiah Garvey and the truth about black history, Clark declared in introducing the resolution to exonerate the civil rights leader. Johnson added that it is time to right this fundamental wrong, given the utter lack of merit to the charges on which he was originally convicted, combined with his profound legacy and contributions to black history in our country. To be sure, Garvey's record involves some controversial decisions. This includes meeting with the KKK, asserting correctly that during the 1920s, they had a strong voice in the U.S. government. But this cannot stand in the way of learning about Garvey's true history and exonerating him. This is more than simply an exercise in historical truth-telling and providing justice for his family, although both are immensely important. Garvey's legacy is also relevant today because we see the same tactics, espionage and politically motivated charges being deployed against black leaders attempting to organize against the status quo. For example, Black Lives Matter protesters were designated as black identity extremists by the FBI and informants were inserted into their movement spaces in 2020 after the George Floyd uprisings. As a society, we have failed to learn from Garvey's story. There is that largely is because mainstream narratives rarely teach about his legacy. And when they do, they usually fail to correct the historical inaccuracies that have been promulgated in, by his wrongful conviction. By failing to learn the lessons from Garvey's case, and by underestimating the harm of politically motivated infiltration and prosecution, we open the door to continuing these policies and practices, and this will result in shame for years to come. Posthumous vindication for Garvey would begin the process of acknowledging that political sabotage from the government and anti-democratic, well, it is anti-democratic and inherently wrong. And at a time when a battle is being waged against teachers and schools that dare discuss the African-American experience, including the banning of AP African-American studies in Florida, exonerating Garvey would be an important response. It would be a clear sign of resistance to revisionist history and to urge to promote versions of the past that fail to look critically at our path to the present. Well, I'm safe to say, thanks to platforms such as Coffee and Toe, it can be removed from schools, but it can't be removed from our voices. They don't want to teach it one way. We can teach another way. We have to pass on the messages, pass on the stories. We have to get back to communal settings such as this to share these stories. Go right ahead. Yeah, moments. Um, listening to that piece, I feel like I was the one that wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, we talk about we talk about this all the time in, in this space. You know, like and as as you as you said. I believe that as a people, we should take the lead, 
even before we expect the government, um, all the, 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 the political stuff that's going on with Democrats and Republicans at school, if we don't see it as important as people, uh, people to, to, to teach our kids from home, then we can't complain like if they are trying to take it out of school because there are a lot of other um, cultures, you know, the Jewish um, culture, like different groups, Muslims, that they have their, their community centers and their, their mosque and their worship centers where it's not just for worshiping, but it's, it's for educating. And we need to use our spaces better because I said it over and over again, if... If Marcus Garvey's message, if just 25% of it was regis like registered to us as a people, we would have been way ahead of where we are today. Because when you look at, um, he was, to my, to my knowledge, like the, the first leader, like he wasn't, he wasn't talking about civil rights. He wasn't talking about, oh, just be civil to us or just don't, just be kind to us. He wanted empowerment by uh, he, he made a statement that um you know black people white people jewish people um everybody um acknowledge one color and it's the color of the money and he was talking about the importance of us building our, our community through financial empowerment and even when the idea came about the 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 black dollar and you see you see um any leader that in africa that came up that, that tried to adopt that idea, end up dead, or housed out of office. But yet still, that idea could have been taken up by um, the Europeans and have a, Europe, a European dollar that's the second uh, most powerful dollar in the world. But every time Africa need to get, one, get a united African dollar, there's a problem. So, yeah, like if we, you know, correct the... the, the the lies that were told and, and empower because like I see like I see a lot of Americans like in in, in the black community the the, the 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 movement there like acknowledging Garvey's work even more than a lot of Caribbean people. So yeah we need to embrace it. The positive because yeah we need protests, we need different type of movement, but we have to educate ourselves in order to move forward as a people. And we can't wait on the government to, to, to do that for us. We have to do it ourselves. And I'll just leave it there. Thank you so much. Appreciate your comments, uh, James. All right. So, Dre said, Marcus Garvey, Black economics, repatriate to Africa, Africa for Africans, Black media, Black trade. What are, we af what are they afraid of? <laughs> you want our money, but you don't want us. You don't want to learn about and teaching history is not meant to hurt. It is to enlighten, to gain an understanding. When we go into other countries, we go there to gain an understanding. When we say we want to get out of the hotels, out of the all-inclusive settings and get into communities and move amongst the locals. We're doing it because we want to learn. And in learning, we can't just embrace the good. We have to be fully rounded and have a complete understanding as why something is the way it is today. We have to understand what happened before. 
The past leads to the present, which will then lead to the future. Go yes, ahead. Sir, oh, sir. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay, James, one more minute. One more um, minute, then we go to Donald. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, so, so about, about the meeting with the clan, I think, and this is why history is so important. People need to remember that the clan was one of the groups that were pushing. Remember, there's a time in America history where they, they were at a point where they, they were thinking of signing off on reparation and repatriation. But it was supposed to be like a bundle deal, like reparation, but it would come with repatriation. And I think the, the clan as a group was one of the groups that were um, driving the, the, the repatriation um, bus. And I feel like, you know, because in Mark, Marcus Garvey, that was a part of his message to going back to Africa. So whether we think it, it was, because that was like 100 years, like years ago. So whether we think it was a bad idea then or it's a bad idea now, but that was one of the, the, the essence of the meeting because they, were, they had common, common um, interests in terms of repatriation coming with reparation. So that part of history we need to remember too. All right. Thank you, James. Donald, go right ahead. Yeah, first of all, I really don't understand what the Black Congressional Caucus and so do, so I don't want to speak in detail about it. But I'm, I'm really, I just think that we spend so much time trying to fix history that um, a political group like that should be focusing elsewhere. You understand? It is good to get um, Gavi exonerated and to teach the story of Gavi. But I think we still have things that needs to be done because the same things that kept down people like Gavi is still keeping down black people today. Today, when you value your house because you're black, it value less. When you go to the bank, you, you get higher interest rate. When you live in certain zip code, you pay um, higher insurance and stuff like that. These are the stuff I see like racism, you know. I don't see somebody calling me the N-word as a racist. That's, that's irrelevant to me. It's the systematic pressures on black people that is racist and um james you talk about the safe spaces where they teach other stuff we had those safe spaces but the other safe spaces don't get the fight we get when you look at black wall street and tulsa and those places these places was systematically attacked when you look at the movements and the education that was being done by the black panther when you have j edgar hoover and them as FBI chief, selling drugs in the black neighborhood and destabilizing our communities. Nobody else faced the kind of things that we face. So there are people and there are movements that have been happening. And yes, there is a lot we can do. And yes, we have to keep going down that road. But the impediments that we face as black people, other races do not face it. Every time we start to come together, it is a red flag. You understand? And they do their best to make sure that we don't come together. They do their best to make sure that we don't have, no, the group economics don't work. So it's not like we don't want to do it. Yes, we have to make a better effort, but we have to control our media. We have to start to control more of our lives. Because you can't go on Facebook to push nothing that is your agenda, because they will shut you off. You understand? Oh. We must get our own media if we have to disseminate our own information. There is a lot to be done, but we cannot underestimate the systematic things that are in place today 
the same things they used to get rid of people like Gavi, they are using the same thing more subtly now on an individual basis for people are trying to rise here. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Donald. Anyone else want to make a comment before I play the next clip? All right. Yeah, I just want to um, confirm what Donnell's saying. One of the things that made Marcus Garvey um, so successful is that it was the media. It was the newspaper, you know, the, um, the, the, the Negro World newspaper. But um, he had access to media and getting the information out there all across America. So having control of our own media is very important because right now, Everybody else setting our narrative except we. Mm-hmm. So media is important in everything, and 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 the economics. You know, just like what you just read. You know, he pushed for black economics, and 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 that is just so important. People, they see green. <laughs> That's all. Mm-hmm. The same people that hate um black people. If you're black and in the same social stature at them, trust me, they're not going to refuse your money and your friendship. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) the media and money, economics, that's where it's at. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much, James, Donnell, and Dre. Appreciate your voice. Um, You know, Sonnet made a good point in the chat. Black media is available. We're just not subscribing. Why? Because, it, you know what? It's people, people aren't hearing enough about it. Like, I found out um, a year ago that there is a black newspaper in San Francisco. And I've told you all, San Francisco is not a very big black city. It's right. a very small population of black people. But it exists. And so I'm like, okay, let me subscribe to this newspaper so at least I know what's going on in the small community that is San Francisco. And it doesn't cover just San Francisco because, like I said, small. So it'll cover most black events going on in um, the Bay Area. So it, they're out there. You just got to look for them. In New York City, they have them. I can't remember the name. Sorry, shame. I don't remember the name <laughs> of the newspaper. But there's one uptown, New Amsterdam or... or um, no H, New Amsterdam. Sorry, I'm Jamaican. Um, <laughs> but they have that one, and they have some others. And it's not just the big cities. Other cities have them. Keep an eye out. When you go to the supermarket, look on the bottom shelf so that when you're checking out, you'll probably see it down there, you yeah. know. But they, they, they do exist. They really do. Uh, it was a, that was a good point, Dre. Yeah. There is, but there is, I just wanted to reinforce, there is still media. It's still out there. We just got to find it and subscribe to it because sometimes it's hard for them to keep it running. Yes. It, it costs money. Like you said, green, green is important. It costs money. All right. I'm done. Thank you, Sana. And to Dre's point in the chat, Dre said, Pe- black people are just not interested in constructive media. They would rather gossip media sources such as the shade room, not to throw shade, Jade. Uh, how can constructive media reach the massive? The number one thing I, I, I think, Dre, is we need to buy into ourselves. We need to believe that what we have to offer is optimum. And I think that's a struggle. You remember back in the day where if a black, a black patient is in a hospital, if a white doctor comes in and a black doctor comes in, they want, they want, they would rather 
the white doctor look after them than the black doctor because they feel that the white doctor is better qualified. Remember those days? Not too far back in the f past. Yeah, moments. One of the history with black media, though, is that um, there's a lot of black media across North America, but they are the, the reach. They don't have a, a wide reach. But, but the history of that is that as soon as one or two pop up and, 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 and start, you know, getting that reach, then they get bought out by white media. So it's, it's the same greed. Like if we, if we have something good and we're not just looking at money, but something that can benefit the community, don't just go sell it out because another company come and offer you twice the value of it. Like it, it, it I, I feel in order for it to be effective, it have to be something like how BBC was like structured, mm -hmm. like where you can't sell it out. Like okay. if 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 somebody come and say, okay, this is worth five million, we are give you twenty million dollar. No, we need it for the community. Cannot be sold. All right, thank you so much. Gonna play one clip before we take a quick break, and then we also have business and tech news coming right up. TikTok ban. Here are my two cents. I think the whole thing has very little to do with our government being so concerned about our data. Our data has been sold a million times over by American companies, no less. Cambridge Analytica was a freaking disaster for our country. Facebook has lost track of our data so many times you think Mark would get tired of saying, oh, sorry, everyone, our bad. But he knows that apologizing after the fact costs him less money than doing the right thing. And since our government has never held him responsible, just like any other company, he keeps paying the fine and apologizing to the cameras. We all know that we can't speak around our cell phones or Google HomePods or Alexa without the thing you were talking about coming up in some targeted ad on your phone or computer. You know what I need? A new blazer. Oh, look at all these cute blazers in my feed. We should probably get a 3D printer. Oh, hey, look at the printer that just came up. What a good deal. Come on. It's weird and it's scary and it's very big brother, but it's been happening for years and there was no bipartisan concern from our government to do anything about that. Then we have to listen to these ridiculous hearings where a vast majority of our representatives look like morons who don't properly understand Wi-Fi, let alone data harvesting, acting like experts on a subject they know nothing about and threatening to shut down something 150 million Americans use for business and entertainment and communication and community because they're suddenly so concerned about our safety. Please. If you were so concerned about America's safety, you would have bipartisan hearings on the extraordinary amount of gun deaths in this country. If you were looking out for the best of the American citizen, we would have universal health care and a living wage and affordable housing. To me, this is about our government, A, being played to do a hit job by one social media company on another, and B, being upset that they can't entirely control the narrative anymore. TikTok is not just a dancing teenager app. It's a place where marginalized voices can connect and educate and inspire the rest of us. It's where we literally get breaking news now. Or news and stories, our billionaire-owned agenda and profit-driven media hasn't curated within an inch of its life. Listening to mainstream media, you would have thought that train derailment in Ohio was fine and the water and air were all good. Until the people on the actual ground started posting what was really going on. We talk to each other on TikTok. We communicate and we gather. It's people-driven. Where else can I learn about the trans experience, the black American experience, epidemiology, climate science, or in my case, break down political issues into bite-sized pieces so more people can understand and be engaged? We're certainly not getting that information in school, especially since all the things I just mentioned are systematically being stripped from any educational experience in this country as we speak. No one is proposing that TikTok doesn't have issues. I can personally attest to their algorithm being pretty messed up. 
It's almost impossible to communicate with anyone at that company if you have a problem. And people can easily work in bad faith to silence good voices. No one's saying there might not be a problem with the Chinese government or know what the goals for the app might be. These are worthy issues for the government to be discussing and monitoring and potentially regulating. I think most of us could get on board with that. But I also think that those issues apply to all social media across the board. The only reason we're talking about TikTok is because Meta, Facebook, was pissed off TikTok was beating it. They tried to compete, found they couldn't, so decided instead of innovating, their resources would be better spent targeting their opponent for annihilation. Over the past year, Meta has spent over $22 million lobbying DC leaders to discredit TikTok. They've also been engaged in a national media campaign to discredit the competitor, running article after article and news piece after news piece, questioning the safety of the app in places where lawmakers would see it. And their efforts appear to be working. So it's no surprise that Meta, thinking their opponent was on a crash course, started removing its creator fund. The fund it only implemented to compete with TikTok in the first place. But you don't need to pay creators if you took your competition out of the knees. And now the creators have nowhere else to go. It's gross and manipulative. But I'm not sure we can expect much more from a company that was founded on rating girls' looks, built its brand on stolen tech, and made its money using hate and anger to drive its algorithm. Again, I am not saying TikTok is perfect, but Facebook is an American-owned company and it's been fucking us for years. Sorry. And if we want to talk about foreign ownership, Twitter is owned by a South African billionaire funded by the Saudis that pitches Nazi filth and medical disinformation that literally kills people. Hell, Fox News is owned by an Australian billionaire who is fundamentally destroying America's faith in democracy and each other, and there hasn't been a single hearing on them. So all I'm saying is if you have a problem with TikTok, then the problem you have is with all social media. And that's the thing we should be addressing. You can't just target one without the others. I propose you sit down with a bunch of experts and you find the best way to make all social media sites safer. Put in rules so no one can mine our data. Pass laws so they can't sell our information. Write legislation that monitors their algorithms to make sure we aren't being pitted against each other for ad dollars. We're okay with rules, but willy-nilly banning one site and not the others makes no damn sense. Aside from it being an absolutely asinine move politically, it doesn't actually make Americans any safer. Less informed, yeah. Less happy, definitely, but not safer. Nope, not if you're leaving all the other sites alone. Of course, finding solutions takes longer and will be more work than simply banning something so you can turn around and say you did something and maybe stick it to our new Cold War enemy in the meantime. But if we have learned anything from Republicans this year, simply banning the things you don't like or understand against the will of the people is an authoritarian move. And you can hardly call yourself a nation of freedom if your go-to is to solve problems by simply eradicating them without any thought of who it might harm. If this is really about data, the CEO of TikTok has said they're planning to move American data to American soil to be overseen by an independent American company. So the problem should be solved, right? But it's not, because this is more about convening a witch trial. And it's really not any fun if you don't end up getting to burn a witch. I'm sorry, I could not have said it any better myself. And I will leave that right there. It's time for us to take another quick break. When we return, we have business and tech news. Keep it locked. I'm outside your house again, freezing in the cold. Waiting for the moment I learn to let go. I've been messed up a thousand times with tears in my eyes. But all the pain it fades away when you say it right. I try, I try, and I try to tell myself it's alright. Cause I'm terrified. You only love me when the whiskey's pouring, pouring the morning. You only 
It is Torn Up Tuesday on Coffee Intel. We're playing yesterday's favorites and today's hits. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for tuning in. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. You're listening to Rita Ora. You only loved me. Twenty-five after the top of the hour. You got somewhere to be at the bottom. You got five minutes to get there. Gotta take it back a little bit with Tina Marie Square Bez. Who remembers this one? Well, we still play it a lot now, right? Thank you so much to everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. For quality music, keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Music break, we have business and tech news, health and science news, little lifestyle and sports news for you. We are able to get to, believe it or not, in entertainment news. We'll see how it goes. The Brew. Thank you to everyone listening on JohnOradio.com. Don't forget to go ahead and download that Jano Radio app. J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go.
Release it all, folks. half past the top of the hour it's time for us to go ahead and get back to business it's time for business and tech news thank you for this one beyonce break my soul Silicon Valley Bank collapsed U.S. lender bought by rival. Story courtesy of BBC.com. The assets and loans of collapsed U.S. lender Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, are being bought by rival First Citizens Bank shares. Investors welcomed the deal, sending First Citizen shares up more than 40%. The rise helped drive broad gains in banking shares, which have been in turmoil since SVB's failure sparked fares over the stability of the sector. In Europe, worries over the strength of Swiss banking giant Credit Suisse led to a rushed takeover by rival UBS. The deal for SVB brings to a close a saga that started earlier this month after a run on the bank forced U.S. regulators to takeover. Its collapse was swiftly followed by the failure of another U.S. lender, Signature Bank. The demise of the two were the biggest bank failures in the U.S. since the financial crisis of 2008. Under the SVB takeover deal, all 17 former SVB branches will open under the First Citizens brand on Monday. SVB customers are being advised to continue using their current branch until they receive notice from First Citizens Bank that their account has been fully moved across. Also in business and tech news, courtesy of CNN. What is digital blackface and why is it wrong when white people use it? Well, maybe you shared that viral video of Kimberly Sweet Brown Wilkins telling a reporter after narrowly escaping an apartment fire, ain't nobody got time for that. Perhaps you posted that meme of supermodel Tyra Branks exploding in anger on America's next top model. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Or maybe you've just posted popular gifts such as the one of NBA great Michael Jordan crying or of drag queen RuPaul declaring girl. If you're black and you've shared such images online, you get a pass. But if you're white, you may have inadvertently perpetuated one of the most insidious forms of contemporary racism. Well, you may be wearing digital blackface. 
Well, what is digital blackface? Digital blackface is a practice where white people co-opt online expressions of black imagery, slang, catchphrases, or culture to convey comic relief or express emotions. These expressions, what one commentator calls, well, I'm sorry, let me back that up. These expressions, what one commentator calls racialized reactions, are mainstays in Twitter feeds, TikTok videos, and Instagram reels, and are among the most popular internet memes. Digital blackface involves white people play acting at being black, says Lauren Michelle Jackson, an author and cultural critic in an essay for Teen Vogue. Jackson says the internet thrives on white people laughing at exaggerated displays of blackness, reflecting a tendency among some to see black people as walking hyperbole. Hmm. If you're still not sure how to define digital blackface, Jackson offers a guide. She says, and I quote, it includes displays of emotion stereotyped as excessive, so happy, so sassy so ghetto so loud our dial is on 10 all the time rarely are black characters affordable subtle traits or feelings many white people choose images of black people when it comes to expressing exaggerated emotions on social media a burden that black people didn't ask for she says we are your sass, your nonchalance, your fury, your delight, your annoyance, your happy dance, your diva, your shade, your ass moments. The weight of reaction giving period rests on our shoulders. So why is digital blackface wrong? Some people may say posting a video of Sweet Brown saying, oh, Lord Jesus, it's a fire is just for laughs. Why overthink it? Why give people yet another excuse for labeling white people racists for the most innocuous behaviors? But critics say digital blackface is wrong because it's a modern day repackaging of minstrel shows, a racist form of entertainment popular in the 19th century. That's when white actors' faces darkened with burnt cork entertained audiences by playing black characters as bumbling, happy-go-lucky simpletons. That practice continued in the 20th century on hit radio shows such as Amos and Andy. Put simply, digital blackface is 21st century minstrelsy. <sighs> go ahead, go ahead of me, go ahead of me, go right ahead of me. No, I mean, I there there's some things I um, when I'm choosing memes and gifts. I'm sorry, I'm I'm sitting in the car in the rain. So Ooh, be careful. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Um, so none of my trees are blooming yet. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I always try to pick a meme that is somewhat representative of my race, except when there aren't any. Um, there, it's, if you look for images online anytime, it's always easier to find a white image than it is to find a black image. Um, so you, when you're looking for meme like, one of my favorites when people are saying silly things, I do the face palm, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I hear so many face palms 
of white people, you know, but there's like very few of people who are black or, or kind of black. So like I get the article and I've seen that like sometimes it, if I if I'm on Facebook and I see someone who I know is white, close to black me and I'm like, Yeah, but you had so many choices that look like you. It's, you know, Apple for all it's all the bad it has, when they created some of those little emojis, they made it a, they gave the ability to change the color. Right. You can you can when you put a thumbs up, it doesn't have to be yellow. Face uh, Clubhouse has not done that yet. It's just the yellow one. They don't they didn't change the color. When you raise your hand, like in a room or how a club, I've made mine brown. So when I see it, I see a brown hand raising, not a not a yellow hand. Or just the ordinary standard. I think people can make the effort to try to choose something that is closer to them. It becomes hard for people who are um, multiracial or like Latino or is it Hispanic? I, I'm sorry if I misspeak wrong there. But people who are white presenting mm-hmm. but not black, if they use something that's black, people then give them side eye. So, but when people are full on white, it, I think it would be good for them to make an effort to use white symbols when they're reacting to something. Okay. I'm not sure if that's where you were going, but that's my Okay. All right. Thank you, Sanat. Anyone else wants to go ahead of me? You, you know what? You know what's funny moments? Mm-hmm. Um, I normally like text with my wife and, and sometimes, you know, depending on the conversation, use the, 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 the prayer emoji. And she, she, she always, she said to me, like, why do I always choose the dark, the darkest color one? Mm-hmm. She said, like, it's misleading. I should choose, like, a color that reflects my complexion. And I'm like, no, this is how I feel, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, I always choose the darkest one. So that, that, that's funny. But, yeah, um, I don't know. Some things, not everything is, race, is, is racism. Sometimes people just, because, for example, like, we, we all know, um, a white person, Italian, whether Italian or Jewish person that hang around, like say, say for example, example, hang around, like have some Jamaican friends. And sometimes people might see like insensitive, like when this person, because you're a best friend with a Jamaican and you come and you say, yo, why go on my youth in, in your, you know, your, with your white face and your, your foreign accent, people might take that as, or you're mocking, but sometimes people, people are in interracial relationships. People are around comfortable around people, and things rub off. So, you know, like it's, it's not everything is is seen as racist or insensitive to other cultures. So we have to be careful with that, and that's just my opinion. Yeah. So let me jump to the chat. Uh, Dre, thank you, Sonette. Thank you, James. Uh, Dre said, the racial tone in this country is sickening. Nobody can do anything without it being racist or tied to racism. What happens when a white person who has grown up in a majority black community, black, white, Indians, Chinese in Jamaica, just act like Jamaicans? You know, um, I think the whole race thing is hyper right now. Forgive me, but that's how I feel. Everything right now is broken down to race right now. Everything. Um, And here is where I find it a little hypocritical. Just a little. 
it's okay for us to use memes. It's okay for the black community to use memes that represent anybody. But if anybody uses a meme that represents a black person, it's race. I, I don't get it. It's an, I, I don't get it. The truth is, I look at it, this is how I see it. And I may be wrong, and I'm okay with that. But I look at it that we are cultural. Everybody looks to us to set the trends. Let, let's make, make no bones about it. We are the originators of trends. We are what is happening. We know it. Right? The issue I have is when we don't get recognition for it. That's the issue I have. I don't have a problem with somebody using a tagline or a meme or a gif, whatever you want to call it. I don't have a problem with that. If it's going to drive home the point you're trying to make, who does it? Who says it better than a black person? Girl, please. Really? You know, um, so I don't have a problem with that if, it, if it's to get your point across. Now, if you're using it in a malicious way, now that's where there is an issue. If you, you are being malicious, your intent is um, as such, that is of concern. But otherwise from that, have, have, get, knock yourself out of it. And if we're going to have a problem with them using our... Um, our using our memes well we shouldn't be using anybody else's i think that's only fair go right ahead it's it's crazy because it's like they like there's this set thing of how black people supposed to act and how white people supposed to act and it's 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 crazy like uh, a white person or indian person born and raised in flatbush Brooklyn is not going to act like a white person that was born in Augusta, Georgia. Right. Right. The whole culture, even though they're both Americans and white, the culture is different. The white person that grew up in Flatbush is going to understand Caribbean culture more, understand black culture more. And if they're born and raised there, they probably just taught black. It's just that's how it is. Uh, a, a black person that born in the Hamptons or somewhere out in Long Island and barely leave, more likely is going to talk white and sound white. You understand? And so it's like uh, this thing like a black person supposed to act. <laughs> There's this thing that always that would emulate black people. Like um, they always go to the extreme like ghetto, right? Like, no, that that's how you perceive black people or... A white person, they always do the, the bougie white girl, um, clueless thing. Like, not all white people like act like that, you know? So, it, it, it's like they put everybody in a box and it's just it's just sitting in. So, I, I just think because they box everybody up, that's why this look this meme thing, a simple meme, mm -hmm. is causing problem. <laughs> like, I, I see something the other day where uh, a white girl braid her hair. And there's this uproar. Like, what's the uproar? Because she braided her hair. <laughs> if, if it's a white girl that was born in a Caribbean island, she's going to braid her hair. No one in the Caribbean going to think anything about it. Right? It's, it's, yes, she white, but it's just culture. She probably just braided her hair, right? 
it's just like everything in America is just just racially driven. She, Ishibrida here is 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 cultural um, appropriation. appropriation. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> Come but, on. But isn't that like, what a lot of tourists do when they go to the islands anyway, exactly. get their hair braided, and that's how people make their money too? Like one of my manager, he's he's Chinese. He's Chinese. Well, I I, I don't know if he's Chinese. I, I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's, he's Asian. He's from France. Mm -hmm. He was born in France. So he's French. And, yeah, exactly. But his entire swag is black and he would tell you that he grew up on black culture his entire swag is just black mm -hmm. the way he's dressed the way he moved the type of music he listened to everything and it was like yeah i grew up on black culture my favorite rap group is bone tugs and harmony and all that stuff right so it's like they just try to box everybody up and once you do something if you if you wear pants a certain way or shoes a certain way your culture appropriating like people just need to stop it man like <laughs> like travel travel go live somewhere else for a, for a little while and, and realize that it's not everything is racial exactly thank you drain thank you Sinet. Uh, in the chat, Donald put, we take too much time to highlight stuff that really does not matter instead of focusing on the things that actually do, like mental health. In our Health and uh, Science segment, mental health struggles are driving more college students to consider dropping out, a survey has found. Huh. Who would have thought that this is happening? Anyway, Isabella, a 20-year-old undergrad student, is no stranger to hard work. She graduated high school a year early and spent most of 2021 keeping up with three jobs. But then she started college that fall. She felt like she was sinking. She knew that she wasn't feeling her, like herself that first semester. Her bubbly personality had dimmed and she was crying a lot more than she was used to. It had all come to a head during a Spanish exam. Isabel, who identifies as both Latina and Black, Afro-Latina, overheard a video that other students were watching about racism in her communities. Negative emotions swelled and she had to walk out without finishing the test. She rushed back to her room angry and upset and broke her student card when hitting it on the door to get in. And I just started having a full-blown panic attack. She said, my mind was racing everywhere. Isabel said she begged her parents to let her stay on campus, but they insisted that she make the three-hour drive home and she soon took a medical withdrawal. A new survey shows that a significant number of college students struggle with their mental health and a growing share have considered dropping out themselves. Two out of five undergrad students, including nearly half of female students, say they frequently experience emotional stress while attending college. According to a survey published Thursday by Gallup and Lumina Foundation, which is a private independent organization focused on creating accessible opportunities for post-secondary learning. The survey was conducted in fall 2022 with responses from 12,000 adults who had a high school degree but had not yet completed an associate's or bachelor's degree. More than 40% of students currently enrolled in an undergrad degree program had considered dropping out in the past six months, up from 34% in the first year of the COVID-19 pandemic, the survey found. Most cited emotional stress and personal mental health as the reason. 
far more often than others, like financial considerations and difficulty of coursework. Should we be asking our children once they get to 12th grade, should we be asking our children to do a self-examination to see what is it that they exactly want to do? The truth is not everybody is set to go to college right after high school. Some kids need the break. They do. I can speak from my own experience with one of our sons, son number one. You know, the culture is that you leave high school, you get into college. Very brilliant fellow, extremely brilliant. He doesn't study, doesn't study. I always, I go into panic mode. Son number four and son number one, uh, they don't study at all. Rarely, rarely ever. Let me put it that way. Um, but he did two years and then he stopped. And he said he felt pressured. Now, when he was in high school, we would always ask, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? He is the one that said he wanted to do either neurology or cardiology. Okay, fine. You'll have our support 100%. Don't know where the money coming from, but we'll find it. Don't worry about it. Get to it. All right. And after two years, he stopped. I wouldn't, and I, I want to say that I think the pressure was self-inflicted because, you know, um, he, you're the one who told us what you wanted to do. And if you tell us anything that you want to do, we're going to be behind you. We're going to be cheerleading you. But where I dropped the ball and where my husband dropped the ball is we probably didn't check in the way we should have. Are you sure this is what you want to do? So he took the two-year hiatus and then he went back. What do you want to do? Think about it. What do you want to do? It's not what we want you to do because I know how that pressure feels. It's what you want to do that you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life. Do what makes you happy, what you're going to enjoy. So he says, okay, he, he, he liked working out. He used to you know, go to the gym and he used to do rock climbing and stuff. And, you know, he says he wants to get into physiotherapy. Okay. To what extent? He wants to become a doctor, physiotherapy. Okay, fine. You're sure? Yes, you're sure. And we, up to yesterday, I asked him, are you sure? Because he has one more year of undergrad. Are you sure? Yes. And he wants to work with the Baptist Health Group. He wants to, you know, quit his part-time job. He's going to get his certification in um, phlebotomy and all of that so he can go and work at Baptist Hospital and possibly get into orthopedics. No problem. We got you there. Thank God for nepotism. Don't care who want to knock it, but he will be getting into that. Um, so we need to be probably doing a better job of checking in with our college students or high school students who are prospective college students. So I'm speaking from my own experience. I recognize where I failed as a parent, right? So I don't know. Maybe that will help. But the, the culture is that you leave, you leave high school, you're supposed to go to college in this country. And if you take a break, it's frowned upon. Why, why do we do that? Go ahead, Peter. Good, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Not bad at all. Good to have you here. Go on. I know, man. I have short time now. I know. So let me Too get busy. To <laughs> um, there's, there's certain things we have to look at and check ourselves before we 
our children. Because a lot of this stem from culture, just as Dre had mentioned before, in certain cultures it is a certain thing and it's normal in certain other cultures, you know? But um, for instance, in China and those places, you find that when a child is six years old, depends more for if they're mostly in the metropolitan area and things like that. When a child is six year old, they choose what the child is going to do at that age. Mm-hmm. And the, the dropout rate of college is less than 50%. Because they go ahead and do it. And when they're stable, they decide if they want to move on to something else. However, in the West, for in the United States, the last time I checked the numbers, 73% of of people who go to college um, end up doing something other than what they went to college for. Facts. 73%. Think about that. So therefore, we asking our kids what they want to do is not going to work. Okay. We have to actually get them into something or some way, shape, or form. But, but, in, the, but in the United States, that would consider child abuse. You know, but in China, they're like, you know what? This is what you're going to do. This is who you're going to get married to. And this is how it's going to work. You know, and then they will get into it. Then the child will, but at least they're already a doctor. You know, in India, it's the same thing. You find people, their uh, kids are graduating college at 16 and 17 years old with a master's. Because the parents make sure that this is what they're going to do. In the United States, or I, I would say in the capitalist countries, you find that most of the education system is a business. So they don't care to to groom the kids at a certain age. The parents need to do that and put them somewhere and find a, help them to find a direction rather than asking them because they're not mature enough to understand life and say, this is what I want to do. This is what they'd like to do. Can they do it? 73% of them do something different than what they went to college for. So it's the approach and it's the age where we start. You know, they say between... And the reason why you find people like in China and all that, because way back in Buddhism and all that, they realized that it's between the age of zero to seven where the child soak up most information. So when you get beyond that, they can't really reason life expectations on their own to tell you what they want to do, unless that child is coming from a certain bloodline or they're just brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's we, we just have to check ourselves and, you know, um, start looking back to see, what we didn't or didn't did not do because these kids have so much freedom man everything is a fad everything is that's what i want to do that's what i want and then they end up doing 500 different things you know so um so um that's just my statement for now <laughs> all right thank you peter i want to talk about it a little more after i do the on-air wrap-up i know you may have to go but i definitely want to talk about it a little more because it's interesting that you should say that <laughs> Um, but before I do the wrap up, I just want to warn folks who are traveling. TSA says it considers peanut butter a liquid, folks. So this is out of our lifestyle segment. The Transportation Security Administration has classified peanut butter as a liquid. So it's best not to pack it in your luggage. That's your carry on. Please, please put it in your um, checked luggage, folks. Peanut butter is classified as a liquid. TSA made the announcement last week and um, flyers should be around. So consider yourselves warned if you're traveling and you know them want to give you a bag of pretzels or some like cookies, depending on the distance of your flight. Hmm. Um, and you want to carry a little snack on the plane with you. Do not leave your house with peanut butter. 
it's considered a liquid. Put it in your check luggage. All right. Going to do the on air wrap up and then we'll be right back because I want to talk a little bit more about mental health struggles, driving more college students to consider dropping out. Here is a little bit from, you know what? Let me, let me do this one. Let me, let me play this one instead. Here is Keisha Cole with Diddy last night. I want to say thank you to everyone that logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com and JohnnoRadio.com for that non-stop party vibe. Remember to tune in tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. And I'm sitting here with this blank expression. And the way I thank you for choosing coffee into world news on the go where i read the news and we share our views and that we is courtesy of my studio audience made possible via clubhouse coming up later on this evening don't forget to keep it logged on to johnnorader.com, qmzrader.com, and also log on to viscosityblend.com. It is The Rose Solo Show, 7 p.m. Eastern. Set your alarms. Turned up Tuesday, and we continue to honor women through music. Playing yesterday's favorites, today's hits. This was a Moments with Me Media Production. This is Moments with Me signing out of QMZRadio.com and JohnnoRadio.com. Catch you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern.